This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. So inshallah ta'ala today is the 7th day of Ramadan The year 1441 of the Hijrah And this is our 7th session of the reading and the commentary of Tafsir al-Jalalain And inshallah ta'ala today we will start with Surah Al-An'am And as we're now a weekend into the month of Ramadan I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our good deeds And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the ability to increase in those deeds for what is the remainder of this month and that Allah Azza wa Jal makes us from those people who from this month are granted His forgiveness, His mercy and freedom from the fire. One of the things that inevitably happens as you go a week into something like this or any type of long uh, series of lectures and classes but especially something that is uh, of, a, a, of a more intensive nature after a week people start to inevitably drop off and people start to inevitably think that it's uh, something which is perhaps too much for them. And so what I sometimes like to do at the beginning of these lessons is to just give us all a boost and a reminder and encouragement based upon the stories of those giants of our religion and our tradition who dedicated their lives and sacrificed their wealth and their time and their efforts and, and all of their comforts and their leisures for the sake of knowledge and for the pursuit of knowledge and in order to seek that knowledge and to spread it to those who would come after them. And from those stories is something which Ibn Abi Hatim, rahimahullah ta'ala, one of the famous scholars of the past and of hadith, and Ibn Abi Hatim is also one of the famous scholars of tafsir, and he has a collection of, or he has a book on tafsir called Tafsir Ibn Abi Hatim, which is a collection of narrations from the Salaf, from the Prophet and the companions and the early scholars of Islam concerning the tafsir of the Quran. Ibn Abi Hatim says concerning his father, Abu Hatim al-Razi, rahimahullah ta'ala, one of the great illustrious scholars of hadith of his time. He says that my father, in his early twenties, went on his first journey of knowledge, which would last seven years. For seven years, he wouldn't return home, wouldn't see his family, wouldn't go back to his land. Seven years he traveled. He says that my father said to me that I think that I walked, because he walked that whole trip for seven years, he said that I think that I walked 1,000 and farsakh was a measurement of distance during that time and it's equated to one and a half hours of walking per each farsakh one farsakh is approximately an hour and a half of walking he said that I think that I walked a thousand farsakhs during that first journey all of it on foot as he was traveling from land to land sitting and studying with those scholars and learning and memorizing and writing a hadith and then he would move on and move on and move on and it took him seven years to finish that journey and make his way back to his home. And that's what knowledge requires. It requires that level of dedication, it requires that level of sacrifice and it is because of that level of sacrifice that the early scholars of Islam had more or less allowed that knowledge to flow within them. It became a part of them to the extent that they couldn't be divided or separated from that knowledge. Ibn Abi Hatim, rahimahullah, the same scholar, he says that I traveled with my teacher, Imam al-Bukhari, 
rahimahullah ta'ala. And sometimes as we were traveling, we would spend the night in the same room, in the same accommodation. He says, in Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah would wake up in the night 20 times. He would wake up and he would light the candle and he would write something down that occurred to him, some point of benefit, some issue that he wanted to remember. And then he would blow out the candle and go to bed. And a short while later he'd wake up again and he'd light the candle and he'd write something down and then he'd blow it out and he'd go to bed. And then, and 20 times he would do this in a single night, rahimahullah ta'ala. And that's because of their dedication to knowledge. And because of how much time and effort and love they had for this knowledge, not least of which, not least because it is one of the greatest acts of worship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can allow a person to perform. And one of the traps of shaitan when it comes to seeking knowledge in this form is that shaitan often makes us forget that we're worshipping Allah azza wa jal. And we consider, because we're so used to studying at school and university and so on, we just consider knowledge to be another form of study. But it is greater and more nobler than other forms of study. It is an act of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the scholars of Islam were people who dedicated themselves. And Imam al-Zuhri rahimahullah ta'ala said that I traveled from Mecca to Medina to Asham and I would go in the pursuit of hadith. And he said that I never heard that someone had a hadith that I could benefit from and I thought that it was too far to travel for. Never thought that one hadith was too far to travel. It's just a hadith. Why bother going all the way to Asham or somewhere else? Not a single hadith would I consider to be too far to travel for. And that's why from the scholars of Najd, it is said that there were scholars who were more familiar with the narrators of hadith in the books of hadith than there were the names of the people who lived in their small little area, the few streets around them, their neighbors. They were less likely to be aware of them than they were of the narrators of hadith. Abdullah ibn Mubarak, rahimahullah ta'ala, the famous scholar of hadith and Islam, his friends would often say to him, why don't you come out with us and socialize with us and spend time with us? And he would say, my friends are waiting for me at home. And they do this over and over again and he keep making the same excuse. So one day someone said to him, why are you joking with us? Why are you making fun of us? We know that there's no one home. But every time we ask you to come with us, you tell us that your friends are waiting at home. He said, I mean by my friends at home, the narrators of hadith. That's who I spend my time with. That's what I study. Those are my friends that I choose to spend my time with. And so knowledge is something which requires that level of dedication. And there is no doubt from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he gives to whomsoever he pleases. And so the message is to knuckle down, to renew our intention, our sincerity, and that determination that is needed. And inshallah ta'ala, by Allah's permission, when we finish this tafsir, inshallah the sense of achievement that you will have and the sense of accomplishment that you will feel by being able to have finished the whole of the Qur'an, not just in reading, not just by going through a translation, but by doing a tafsir, and doing a tafsir that inshallah is giving you so many gems and so many benefits from this work, then inshallah ta'ala that's something which is a worthwhile endeavor and pursuit. The question that we asked uh, yesterday, that I asked yesterday, was concerning the... Uh, it came twice yesterday. Uh, firstly concerning Bani Israel, that Allah Azza wa Jal said that they were from the best of nations. And we know that our Prophet ﷺ told us that we are the best of nations, so how do we reconcile between that? And that also came towards the end of Surah Al-Ma'idah, when in the story of the table spread, when Allah said concerning those people who asked for the table spread to be descended, that Allah said that if they disbelieve, they will be punished in a way that no one else will be punished. 
even though Allah Azzawajal says elsewhere in the Quran that the hypocrites have the lowest depths of the fire that Pharaoh and his people will have the most severest of punishment how do we understand these verses and as I said before this is one of the beautiful sciences of the Quran that some of the scholars of tafsir dedicated themselves to to show that the Quran is powerful in its meaning and beautiful in its eloquence and the answer to this Allah Azzawajal knows best is from two points the first of those points is that the meaning of alameen or best of people is referring to that time period. So Bani Israel are the best of alameen during their time. And those people who will be punished from the people of Isa والسلام, are going to have the severest of punishments from their time. So the word alameen can refer to a particular generation or a particular period of time. That's the first response given by the scholars of tafsir. The second response is that just because one of them has the worst of punishments doesn't mean that it is exclusive to them. But it's possible that Allah can give all three of those categories that we mentioned, the hypocrites, the people of Isa who disbelieved, and the people of Pharaoh, all of them the worst punishment. So it's not something exclusive, but Allah mentions it for all three of them because all three of them will be gathered in that way. And what supports this position is the statement of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhumah, his statement that he said that the worst of people that will be punished in the fire will be the people who disbelieved in the table spread, the, the hypocrites, the munafiqeen, and the people of Pharaoh. And Allah azza wa jal knows best. So inshallah ta'ala today we begin with the reading of Suratul An'am. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم اغفر لشيخنا ولوالدينا ولجميع المسلمين أما بعد قد قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى في تفسير قوله تعالى في تفسير سورة الأنعام So if at the beginning you're not going to mention a verse because he's going to do a commentary first في تفسير سورة الأنعام في تفسير سورة الأنعام Suratul An'am, livestock. Suratul An'am is Meccan except for ayat, for ayat 20, 23, 91, 93, 114, 141, 151, 152, and 153, which are Medinan. It has 165 ayat and was revealed after Suratul Hajj. So this surah, Suratul An'am, and An'am, as you can see from the translation, means livestock. Livestock Camels, livestock. And this is the sixth surah of the Quran, and it is a surah that is a Makki surah as mentioned by the author. And that is the position of the majority, if not all of the position of the, of the scholars of Tafsir, that it is a Makki surah. And Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, Ibn Abdul Bar rahimahullah, and other scholars said that there is a jama' on that point. Despite the fact that as you can see there are scholars amongst them Al-Imam Al-Suyuti rahimahullah who considered some of the verses of Surah Al-An'am to be of the Medinan period. So they said that some of those verses were revealed later on in Medina. And that's why you have some scholars who may therefore say that it is a surah over which there is a difference of opinion. And as we've mentioned before that just because even if it is the case that there are some verses that are revealed within the Medinan period uh, it doesn't detract if the vast majority of the surah is Meccan, that the surah is called or referred to as a Meccan surah. And I found that there are a couple of uh, scholars, not many of them, but some of them, who said that the surah is a Medinan surah. And the reason for that difference of opinion 
and to understand why the scholars differ over any point in any science is a very important methodology for the student of knowledge. Whether in hadith, when scholars differ, is the hadith authentic or not authentic? To understand why there is that difference of opinion. Is it because of a narrator within the chain of narrators? What's the reason of the difference of opinion? And likewise in fiqh, when the scholars differ, why is, why is it that the scholars differ over that issue? It is something which is extremely important. And there are scholars who have dedicated themselves to mentioning and clarifying why there exists, why the difference of opinion exists in the first place. And I remember when we were students in the Islamic University of Medina, the syllabus that we used to study in fiqh is Bidayat al-Mujtahid of Ibn Rushd rahimahullah ta'ala. And it is a very complex, very difficult text to study, not an easy book to read. And that's because Ibn Rushd rahimahullah ta'ala wrote the book as his own personal notes. He wrote him for himself just as one of us is making notes from a teacher or just to revise. He was summarizing knowledge for himself. And before he could look at those notes and, and, and make them into a book and, and, and just work on them and order them, he passed away, rahimahullah ta'ala. And when his students found his notes, because they contained so much benefit and so much goodness in it, they published the work, they spread the work as it was, and he passed away, rahimahullah ta'ala. Bidayat al-Mujtahid of Ibn Rushd, rahimahullah ta'ala, one of the reasons it said that it was chosen as the syllabus for students in Kulit al-Shari'ah is because one of the amazing benefits of that book is that it focuses on the difference of opinion amongst the scholars and why it exists. The reason behind their differing. Is it because one scholar considered a hadith to be authentic, another one weak? Is it because one scholar maybe never heard the hadith and the other one did? Is it because they understood it in different ways or they used different principles in order to deduce the rulings? And that is something which helps a person appreciate why there is a difference of opinion. And the same is said in tafsir. And when there are sometimes verses that seem to imply and intimate that they are from the Medinan period, that they are referring to the Jews and the Christians, for example, and we know that in the Meccan period, the Muslims didn't really interact with the Jews and the Christians. Then some scholars said, well, therefore, that shows that the Surah is Medina. That's an example. Whereas other scholars will say, no, those verses seem to imply that it's referring to the Quraysh. And the Quraysh is in the Meccan period. That's where they are predominantly being addressed. And so you have those differences of opinion. But either way, this Surah is a Surah, as we said, that is a Medinan Surah. It was mentioned on the, in the um, narration of Ibn Abbas, that is authentic to him. And if it is authentic to him, then it is uh, possibly something which he saw, or likely to be something which he heard and saw or experienced from the Prophet He said that Surah Al-An'am was a surah that was revealed together in a single night. And it was brought down with 70,000 angels. And this is from the knowledge that when the companions say, it's not something which they can make up, it's not just something which they... You know, it's not a personal opinion that they can bring. It is either something which they heard from other companions that were more senior to them, because Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum is from the younger companions, or it is something which they heard directly from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But that is something which is mentioned concerning one of the virtues of this surah, and Allah azza wa jal knows best. الحمد لله الذي خلق السماوات والأرض. Praise an established quality belongs to Allah. This is either to express belief in Him or to praise Him, or to do both at the same time. And is also discussed at the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf, who created the heavens and the earth, mentioned because they are the largest visible aspect of creation for those who look. 
and appointed the creation of every darkness and light. Allah puts darkness in the plural because there are many things which cause it, and that is evidence of His oneness. Then those who disbelieve make others equal to their Lord. Even though the proof is established, the unbelievers give others equal status to Allah in their worship. So this first verse of uh, Surah Al-An'am, uh, Surah Al-An'am is a surah that will deal primarily with the evidences against the Quraysh and the Meccans, the evidences establishing Allah's right to be worshipped alone. And as we said, it's a Meccan period, so it deals in the context of the Quraysh. Establishing Allah's right to be worshipped, establishing Allah's signs and proofs and His powers and His abilities, and therefore that they should direct their worship to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, and refuting and rejecting the fallacy and the false principles upon which they would base their worship to other than Allah Azza wa Jal, to their idols and to their gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this is a surah that you will see, in fact, I think personally, does it actually need much commentary because its verses are so clear. And when Allah Azza wa Jal speaks about those uh, signs of His and those uh, proofs establishing His oneness and His right to be worshipped alone subhanahu wa ta'ala, then it doesn't need much commentary. It is very clear and it is very uh, something which is uh, which Allah Azza wa Jal makes very clear and very relatable and understandable for people. And no doubt, even in our time today, this is something that we're greatly in need of with the rise of atheism and agnosticism and those types of beliefs where even our children, our youngsters, our youth, many of our Muslim brothers and sisters are having those doubts concerning Allah Azza wa Jal's either his existence, full stop, or his existence and then his right to be worshipped alone subhanahu wa ta'ala in different ways and forms. And so this is a very important surah and a surah that requires to be studied in some detail and in some depth. The author, rahimahullah ta'ala, Imam al-Suyuti, rahimahullah ta'ala, says, Alhamdulillah, his commentary in the praise of Allah Azza wa Jal, which we covered in Surah Al-Fatiha, but as we said, Surah Al-Fatiha was the commentary of his teacher, Al-Mahalli, rahimahullah, and it's his final commentary of this tafsir before he passed away, rahimahullah ta'ala. So even though we've done the commentary, what you'll see here is that Al-Imam As-Suyuti rahimahullah is commenting on it as if it's for the first time. Because it is for him the first time. And so Surah Al-An'am begins with the praise of Allah Azza wa Jal. As we said, there are numerous verse, surahs of the Qur'an that begin by praising Allah Azza wa Jal like Surah Al-Kahf, like Surah Al-Fatiha, like Surah Fatir, and like Surah Al-An'am. And he says, it is either to express belief in him or to praise him or to do both. And that's something which we mentioned at the beginning of Surah Al-Fatiha is, Alhamdulillah, a statement from Allah about himself, in which case it is to express belief in him, or is it a command for us to praise him, in which case it is therefore the second option, or to praise him, meaning we should praise him because Allah is worthy and deserving of all praise, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or is it both, that Allah is praising himself, and within that is a command for us to praise him. And Allah's praising Himself is the statement of Him subhanahu wa ta'ala putting down that principle and establishing that principle that He alone therefore has all right to be worshipped. And that is why Allah Azza wa begins and Allah knows best with the tahmeed in this surah. By praising Himself because within the tahmeed there is 
the evidence of Tawheed, of worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal, because the one who deserves all of your love and all of your praise and all of your submission and all of your humbleness in terms of worship is only the one who therefore deserves to be worshipped alone subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Rahimahullah, or is it both? And the uh, translators uh, didn't translate this part, but what he actually continues to say, he says, And he says, and that is, the third option is the best of these, meaning that to combine between them. That it is something which Allah says about himself, and within it is a command for us to praise him. As is discussed at the beginning of Surah Al-Kahf. Because Surah Al-Kahf is where Al-Imam Al-Mahalli, rahimahullah, began his tafsir with. And this is from Al-Imam Al-Suyuti's respect for his teacher, his honoring of his teacher, that he doesn't go into the detail that Al-Mahalli went into because he says you should refer to it. And this is something which you will find when Al-Suyuti, rahimahullah, often when he comes across points and concepts that have already been discussed by his teacher in his half of the Qur'an that he made tafsir of, As-Suyuti often refers to it. Or he mentions the same wording or more or less the same context, the same tafsir that was mentioned by his teacher. And when we come, inshallah ta'ala, to the end of Surah Al-Isra and Imam As-Suyuti will give his own conclusion to this tafsir, we will see his respect for his teacher and how he considers himself not worthy of being at the same level of his teacher, rahimahullah, even though, in my very humble opinion, Al-Imam Al-Suyuti rahimahullah ta'ala has some points that, that take him above Al-Imam Al-Mahalli, and not least of which is his immense knowledge of the Sunnah. And one of the greatest ways of understanding the Qur'an and making tafsir of the Qur'an is by having a very large and extensive overview and understanding of the Sunnah of the Prophet and the statements of the companions and the Salaf. Al-Imam Al-Suyuti, as is evidenced in his other works, is one of those polymaths and an encyclopedia of narrations when it comes to this regard. And so that's something which he often does. He often defers to his teacher. But there will also be times when he doesn't defer and when he differs with his teacher because he considers something else to be a stronger opinion based upon evidence. As we will see, for example, in Surah Al-Isra, when he speaks about the ruh, the spirit, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْرُوحِ And inshallah ta'ala will mention that when we come to that surah and surah portion or that verse in Surah Al-Isra. So Allah Azza wa Jal in this surah therefore establishes his right to be worshipped because he is the one who created the heavens and the earth and established night and darkness. And despite that he says, The disbelievers will make others equal to Allah Azza wa Jal. It is he who created you from clay, meaning by creating your father Adam from it. And then decreed a fixed term, meaning a pre-appointed time when you die and your life comes to an end. And another fixed term is specified with him for your resurrection. And yet, still you, meaning unbelievers, have doubts about the resurrection when you know that Allah created you in the first place. The one who has originated something from nothing is well able to bring it back to life again. And that is from the greatest proofs of Allah's right to be worshipped, that Allah is the one who gives life and death. And the one who gives life and death is therefore the one who is all-powerful subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the same proof that Ibrahim used as we mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah in the third juz when he came to Nimrud. And he asked him, who is the one who gives life and death? My Lord is the one who gives life and death. 
And that's because it is from the greatest proofs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah azza wa not only gives death because as we saw in the story of Nimrud, he said that I can kill someone, order someone to be executed, but he's the one who brings back to life as well. So one that is dead, he brings them back to life as well, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is Allah and deserves to be worshipped in the heavens and in the earth. He knows what you keep secret and what you make public between you. And he knows what you earn and do of good or evil. He is Allah, the God of the heavens, the, the one who is worshipped in the heavens and in the earth. Because the Quraysh worshipped Allah alone in the heavens, meaning they agreed and they submitted to the fact that Allah is alone as the God of the heavens. But on earth, they didn't agree. And they had their idols. And they had their different gods that they would worship. And the Kaaba in and around it had 360 idols. And they would have idols at home that they would make themselves with their own hands from barley and from dates and from wheat and sometimes from other, uh, other material like wood and, and so on. And those were gods that they had and that they worshipped besides Allah. So Allah Azza wa establishes that the one who is the God in the heavens is surely the God in earth as well. وَمَا تَأْتِيهِمْ مِنْ آيَةٍ مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ إِلَّا كَانُوا عَنْهَا مُعْرِضِينَ Not one of their Lord's signs, meaning the Qur'an, comes to them, meaning the people of Mecca, without their turning away from it. فَقَدْ كَذَّبُوا بِالْحَقِّ لَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ They deny the truth, meaning the Qur'an, each time it comes to them. فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِيهِمْ أَنْبَاءُ مَا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَهْزِئُونَ But news, meaning the results of what they were mocking, will certainly reach them. أَلَمْ يَرَوْ كَمْ أَهْلَكْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ مِنْ قَرْنٍ مَكَّنَّاهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَا لَمْ نُمَكِّلْ لَكُمْ Have they not seen during their journeys to Syria and elsewhere <coughs> how many generations, nation after nation in the past, we destroyed before them, which we had established on the earth, with strength and expansive territories, far more firmly than we have established you. There is a change of pronoun from they to you. We sent down heaven, meaning precipitation on them in abundant rain, time after time. And made rivers flow under them, meaning under their homes. But we destroyed them for their wrong actions, meaning denial of their prophets. And raised up further generations after them. This verse, verse number 6 of Surah Al-An'am. Allah Azza wa says, have they not seen during their journeys? And Allah Azza wa is addressing the Quraysh. Because the Quraysh, as we know, are people who travel. They would travel, as Allah says in Surah, they had their caravans departing in the summer and in the winter. They would go to Asham and they would go to Yemen. And as they're passing by those areas and they're going through them, they have come across the remnants of the past nations as the Prophet ﷺ did when he was on his way to the Battle of Tabuk and he passed by Madain Salih, the place where the people of Salih used to live and reside. And the Arabs, even though they were not people who believed in prophethood, and divine messages and divine uh, you know, revelation in that regard, they understood or they were aware of tribes that were Arab in nature that Allah mentions as having had prophets that were sent to them. And it is mentioned therefore in the narrations that Allah sent four prophets to the Arabs. 
Hud and Salih and Shu'im and Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alayhi wa salatu wa salam. Those four, Hud, Salih, Shu'im and our Prophet alayhi wa salatu wa salam are considered all to be prophets. So even though the Arabs didn't believe in the concept of prophethood, meaning the Quraysh, they were aware of those tribes because they were Arabs and they lived in Arabia. And the Arabs were people who were into their genealogy and their lineage and understanding clans and tribes and where they came from and how they emanated and how they moved and so on. And that is why in the story of Abu walid in the early Meccan period, when he stood and he was from the Quraysh and from the disbelievers and he stood amongst the nobility of Quraysh and said to them, why are you fighting Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his companions and oppressing them? Why don't you ask him what he wants and give it to them? Give it to him. Surely he must want something, he has an agenda. Ask him what he wants, give it to him and then you'll be done. They said, okay Abu walid you go and find out and give it to him. So Abu walid went and he said, oh Muhammad, and it's a long story, but he asks him, do you want wealth, do you want power, are you ill, are you sick, what do you want? Just give it to us, tell us and we'll give it to you and then stop this preaching of Islam. The Prophet said to him, Afaragta ya Abu walid are you done? Abu walid said yes. And the Prophet starts to recite to him from the Quran, from Surah Fussilat. And Allah and the Prophet doesn't speak to him, doesn't debate him, doesn't go into a long conversation. He starts to read from the Quran until he reads the verse of Allah and if they turn away, then warn them of the same punishment that befell the people of Ad and Thamud, meaning the nations of the Prophets Hud and Salih When he reached this verse, Abu Walid became terrified. And he stopped the Prophet and he said, I ask you by Allah, don't read anymore. And then he got up and he left and he went back to Quraysh and he said to them that this man, I don't know what he's brought, but if you want my advice, leave him be. If he is truthful in his speech, Allah will give him victory and you will become leaders alongside him. And if he is a liar, if he is false, if he is fake, then sooner or later someone will deal with him and you'll be rid of him. But either way, leave him be. They said, you've been bewitched as well, O Abu al The point of this story though is that it's the mention of Ad and Thamud as nations that the Arabs were familiar with that makes Abu al terrified. Not because he believed that Hud or Salih were prophets of Allah, not because he believed in that concept of divine revelation, but they knew that these tribes existed and they were destroyed in some way, shape or form, and their remnants still remain. And so Allah is saying in verse number 6, you have traveled and you have journeyed and you've been across those places and you've seen those remnants. Surely that in and of itself is a sign for you concerning the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَوْ نَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ كِتَابًا فِي قِرْطَاسٍ فَلَمَسُوهُ بِأَيْدِيهِمْ Even if we were to send down a book to you written on parchment pages as they have demanded and they were actually to touch it with their own hands making it even harder to doubt than just seeing it. لَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ Those who disbelieve will still say out of their obstinacy this is nothing but outright magic. وَقَالُوا لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْهِ مَلَكٍ They say, why has an angel not been sent down to him? Meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to affirm him. وَلَوْ أَنزَلْنَا مَلَكًا لَقُضِيَ الْأَمْهُ ثُمَّ لَا يُنظَرُونَ If we were to send down an angel as they asked, they would still not believe. And that would be the end of the affair and they would not be reproved. 
They would be destroyed immediately with no chance for repentance or excuse, as was the custom of Allah with people of the past who were destroyed, and what they asked for appeared, and they failed to have faith. And if we had made him, meaning the one who descended to them, an angel, we would still have made him in the form of a man in order to enable them to see him, since human beings do not have the ability to see angels in their natural state. And if we had sent him down and made him a man, we would have further confused for them the very thing they are confused about, because they would then have said, this is just a man like us. Allah Azza wa Jalla, these verses 8 and 9, He's saying that from the things that the Quraysh asked for, demanded, is to see an angel. And does that mean that they want you to see an angel as a sign of Allah, as Imam Suyuti seems to be implying here, that it's a miracle, and therefore when they see the angel, Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, or rather Suyuti is saying, that if they didn't believe, then Allah would punish them, as we mentioned in the previous lessons, that that was the case, that when they demanded a miracle, and then they disbelieved in that miracle, Allah would destroy the nation. Or is the meaning that should they send to us an angel as a prophet? Why are they sending a man? Why is Allah sending a man, choosing another human? Surely if Allah was going to send us someone as a messenger, He should send to us an angel. And angels are perfect beings. They don't disobey Allah. They don't, do, they don't eat. They don't drink and so on. And Allah Azzawajal is saying that even if we were to send to them an angel, we would have made them, made them into the form of a man. Because if an angel comes, then they would have said that that's an angel. How are we meant to be like an angel? How are we meant to worship like an angel? How can we possibly relate to the angel and connect to the angel? Because an angel is completely different and has abilities that we don't have and so on and so forth. And so Allah Azza wa Jal refutes this logic of theirs that they were using. The following contains knowledge for the Prophet Messengers before you were also mocked, but those who jeered were engulfed by what they mocked. It was a punishment they had been mocking that enveloped them. Say to them, travel in the earth and see the end result of the deniers meaning those who denied their messengers and their destruction by the punishment they received. This is so they can reflect. And verse 11 shows that one of the benefits of traveling and one of its purposes is to travel with the intention of learning about Allah's science and seeing what Allah has placed upon the earth. And because traveling and journey has for us become so easy and we become so accustomed to it, it is something, a meaning that we often don't have when we travel. Especially when we go to other lands and we look at those places, even, for example, the pyramids of the pharaohs or people who go to those other places and you see how generations and nations and whole empires existed that are no longer there, with, despite their power and despite their wealth and despite their position upon the earth. And that is what Allah Azza wa is saying here. Why don't they travel and benefit from that which they see? And to see or to look rather is different from seeing. Most people look with their eyes, but how many people observe and actually see the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that is why when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was uh, passing by Madain Salih when he was on his way to Tabuk, and he asked the Prophet, the companions to hurry through that place because it was a place of destruction. One of the narrations says that no one should go there except in a state of crying, meaning that they are people who are contemplating and understanding what Allah Azza wa did, and when they're contemplating and they're, and they're reflecting on that, they take a sign and a lesson from what they see around them. Yeah. 
Say, to whom does everything in the heavens and earth belong? Say to Allah. If they do not say this, there is no other answer. He has made mercy incumbent on and prescribed it for himself as a favor from him and graciousness in calling them to believe. He will gather you to the day of rising to repay you for your actions of which there is no doubt. As for those who have ruined their own souls by exposing themselves to, pun- to the punishment, they do not believe. Verse number 12, Allah says, Allah has prescribed, obligated upon himself that he is to be merciful. And that is which Allah, something which Allah is allowed to do. Allah himself has ordained upon himself subhanahu wa ta'ala that he would be merciful. As is mentioned in the hadith in Al-Bukhari al-Muslim of Abu Huraira radiallahu that Allah has written above his throne that indeed my mercy has overcome my anger. And that is above his throne subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is from the mercy of Allah azza wa that he is merciful to his servants, that he is forgiving, that he is someone who is forbearing, that a person can sin for years and years and decades and a lifetime and then in a single act of tawbah and repentance and seeking forgiveness, Allah forgives them for that lifetime of sin. And when they sin, Allah Azza wa doesn't punish them immediately, but gives them chance after chance and gives them time to remember and turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. All that inhabits the night and the day belongs to him. Allah is the Lord, creator and master of everything. He is the all-hearing of what is said, the all-knowing of what is done. قُلْ أَغَيْرَ اللَّهِ أَتَّخِذُ وَلِيًّا فَاطِرِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَهُوَ يُطْعِمُ وَلَا يُطْعَمُ Say to them, Am I to take other than Allah as my protector and worship other than Him, the bringer into being and originator of the heavens and the earth? He who feeds means give, meaning gives provision and is not fed meaning provided for. قُلْ إِنِّي أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَكُونَ أَوَّلَ مَنْ أَسْلَمُ Say, I am commanded to be the first of the Muslims of this community who submit to Allah. وَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And I have been told to not be among the idolaters who ascribe partners to Allah. Verse number 14. Allah Azza wa is the one who feeds and is not fed. What does that mean that is not fed? Because the Arabs, the Quraysh, used to feed their idols, meaning that they would offer food for them. And yesterday we mentioned in those verses about the Sa'iba and the Wasila and the Ham that they would dedicate their animals and some of their livestock for them. And Allah Azza wa will mention further on in this surah and Surah Al-An'am how when they would apportion food that they would claim is for Allah and food that they would claim is for their idols. And then when they would come to drought, times of drought and famine, the portion that they had given to Allah, they would take from and they would eat because of their need. But the portion dedicated to their idols, they would leave. وَمَا كَانَ لِشُرَكَائِهِمْ فَلَا يَصِرُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَمَا كَانَ لِلَّهِ فَهُوَ يَصِرُ إِلَى شُرَكَائِهِمْ And that was part of their warped thinking and mentality of how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa mentions this, that Allah doesn't need feeding and Allah doesn't need that type of sustenance and provision and a God that does isn't a complete and powerful God. قُلْ إِنِّي أَخَافُ إِنْ عَصَيْتُ رَبِّي عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ Say, I fear were I to disobey my Lord by worshipping other than Him, the punishment of a dreadful day, meaning the day of rising. Anyone from whom punishment is averted by Allah on that day 
has had great mercy shown him by Allah, who desires good for him. وَذَٰلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْمُبِينَ That is the clear victory and manifest salvation. If Allah touches you with any harm, such as illness or poverty, no one can remove it but Him. If He touches you with any goods, such as health and wealth, He has power over everything. One aspect of His power is the ability to inflict harm and bestow good. And when it comes, no one can avert it from you or anyone else. وَهُوَ الْقَاهِرُ فَوْقَ عِبَادِهِ He is the absolute master over his slaves. He has power which no one is able to countermand. وَهُوَ الْحَكِيمُ الْخَبِيرُ He is the all-wise about his creation, the all-aware, knowing their inward and their outward. This was revealed when the unbelievers said to the Prophet ﷺ, Bring us someone who will attest to your prophethood. People of the book deny you. This statement, this was revealed when the unbelievers said to the Prophet ﷺ. That's for the next verse. It is the commentary of verse number 19. قُلْ أَيُّ شَيْءٍ أَكْبَرُ شَهَادَةٍ Say to them, what thing is greatest as a witness? قُلِ اللَّهِ Say, Allah. If they do not say this, there is no other answer. شَهِيدٌ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَكُمْ He is witness between me and you, to my truthfulness. وَأُوْحِيَ إِلَيَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ لِأُنْذِرَكُمْ بِهِ وَمَنْ بَلَغُ this Qur'an has been revealed to me so that I may warn you and frighten you by it, people of Mecca. And anyone else, the Qur'an reaches among jinn or men. Or men. Do you then bear witness that there are other gods together with Allah? This question is an objection. Say, meaning to them, I do not bear witness to that. قُلْ إِنَّمَا هُوَ إِلَهٌ وَاحِدٌ وَإِنَّنِي بَرِيءٌ مِّمَّا تُشْرِكُونَ Say, He is only one God, and I am free of all the idols you associate with Him. الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ Those we have given the book recognize it, or recognize Muhammad وسلم, from his description in their book. As they recognize their own children. As for those of them who have lost their own selves, they do not believe in Him. Verse number 20, Allah Azza wa a number of times in the Quran so far has mentioned this. Those who were given the book, meaning those who came before the previous scriptures, recognize the Prophet as they will recognize their own children. And that's something which Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu mentioned when he became Muslim that he recognized the Prophet when he saw him. And he said that when I first saw him when he came to Medina I knew that his face was not the face of a liar. And the story of Salman al-Farsi radiallahu when he travels from Persia and he meets those, those rabbis or those uh, monks who tell him to go to the land of date palms because a Prophet would soon emerge from there. So he said, and how will I recognize this prophet? They told him to look for the seal of prophethood between his shoulder blades, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا أَوْ كَذَّبَ بِآيَاتِهِ Who could do greater wrong? Meaning no one does greater wrong than someone who invents lies against Allah by ascribing a partner to him or denies his signs, meaning the Qur'an. إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الظَّالِمُونَ 
wrongdoers who do that are certainly not successful. Verse 22 Remember that on the day we gather them all together, we will say in rebuke to those who attributed partners to Allah. Where are your partner gods for whom you made such claims about being partners with Allah? Then they will have, whether takun or yakun, no other recourse or excuse than to say, By Allah, our Lord, whether Rabbina and Rabbana, we were not idolaters. Verses 22 and 23, Allah says that these people then who deny all of these signs and disbelieve in Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, when they come on the day of judgment, Allah will say, to them, bring your gods that you worship besides Allah. Because if there is a day that anyone's God will benefit them, anyone's God will save them, anyone's God will keep them from harm, it will be the day of judgment. And that's why the hadith of Prophet said, that every person will be told to go and stand by their God. So the people who worship the sun will go to the sun, and the people who worship the moon will go to the moon, and the people who worship idols will go to the idols, each one of them going. And the only people that will remain will be the believers. Because they are the ones who worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Those people when they see the reality of that day, they will say that we only worshipped Allah. We never used to associate worship with Allah. And they will make those excuses on a day that they, those excuses will not benefit them. Allah says, see Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, how they lie against themselves by denying their idolatry. And how what they invented has forsaken them. Their falsely ascribed gods have abandoned them. Some of them listen to you when you recite. But we have placed covers on their hearts, preventing them from understanding it, meaning the Quran. And heaviness, meaning deafness in their ears, so that they do not hear and accept it. Though they see every sign, they still do not believe it. So that when they come to you, disputing with you, those who disbelieve say, this Quran is nothing but lies, like the myths of earlier peoples. They keep others, meaning other people from it, from following the Prophet and avoid it themselves by distancing themselves from it so that they do not believe in him. It is said that this was revealed about Abu Talib, who prevented people harming the Prophet while not believing in him, in which case it should be read as him. They are only destroying themselves by being far from it because that harms them. But they are not aware of it. In verse 26, Abu Talib is an example of this, but it is not exclusive about him. But there were people, or the Quraysh generally would stop people from, um, from following the Prophet And they would tell people, for example, to uh, when they came in the early Meccan period, those stories of telling people to put wool in their ears so that they wouldn't hear the Quran, or telling people to stay away from it because it is something which uh, is full of magic and sorcery and so on and so forth or the other incident which is mentioned in the tafsir of Surah Al-Lahab 
the rabu lahab the uncle of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would walk behind the prophet sallallahu as he was calling people to allah and he would say this man is crazy this man and someone asked who is he and who is this man behind him he said that is a man called muhammad who's claiming a new religion and the man behind him is his uncle abu lahab who's saying that he is crazy and they are people who avoided themselves and that is an example of abu talib abu talib is someone who greatly defended the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he's someone who protected him by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but himself he never accepted the message of Islam وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذْ مُقِفُوا عَلَى النَّارِ If you, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam could only see when they are standing before the fire meaning when they are confronted with it فَقَالُوا يَا لَيْتَنَا نُرَدُّ وَلَا نُكَذِّبَ بِآيَاتِ رَبِّنَا وَنَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ and saying, oh, if only we could be sent back again to this world, we would not deny the signs of our Lord and would be among the believers. Verse 27 is something which is repeated a number of times in the Quran, that the people of the fire, when they come to the fire, will ask Allah for one more chance. If only we could go back, if only you gave us more time. And Allah is saying that even if they were to go back, they would do the same again. Because Allah knows their disbelief and Allah knows the evil that they did. And as Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Fatir, وَهُمْ يَسْتَرِخُونَ فِيهَا رَبَّنَا أَخْرِجْنَا نَعْمًا صَالِحًا غَيْرَ الَّذِي كُنَّا نَعْمًا When they will scream in the fire and say, Oh our Lord, allow us to come out. We will do good deeds that we never did before. Allah says in response, أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَنْ تَذَكَّرُ Were you not given sufficient time in this life that those who wanted to remember could have remembered? Meaning you had your time, you had your opportunity, but you turned away from Allah's signs. Allah Almighty says, no, rejecting the desire for belief they were apparently expressing, it is simply that what they were concealing before, meaning by maintaining that Allah was their Lord and that they were not idolaters, has been shown to them when their limbs testify against them, which is when they make this wish. And if they were sent back, meaning to this world, they would merely return to what, meaning the shirk, they were forbidden to do. Truly, they are liars regarding their promise to believe. They say, denying the resurrection, there is nothing but this life and we will not be raised again. Which is one of the most common, verse 29 was the most, one of the most common evidences of, or, or excuses that the Quraysh used to present. That it's only this life, there is no resurrection. Why should we be worried about standing before Allah and being held to account when there will be no resurrection? We die and our bodies and bones go into the ground and we will simply uh, while away. And Allah gives them in the, in the verses of the Quran, throughout the Quran, the example of of vegetation and plants and flowers and how things die and come back to life as a sign of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring people back to life on the day of judgment. If you could only see when they are standing before and presented to their Lord, you would see something terrible. He will say to them on the tongue of the angels to rebuke them, Is this resurrection and reckoning not the truth? They will say, yes, indeed, by our Lord, it is the truth. He will say, then taste the punishment because of your unbelief in this world. 
قد خسر الذين كذبوا بلقاء الله Those who completely deny the meeting with Allah, meaning the resurrection, have lost. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَتْهُمْ السَّاعَةُ بَغْتَةً قَالُوا يَا حَسْرَتَنَا عَلَى مَا فَرَّطَنَا فِيهَا Until when the hour, meaning the day of rising, comes upon them suddenly. They will say, out of intense pain, alas, for what we neglected there in this world. The word, alas, expresses their pain at that time. وَهُمْ يَحْمِلُونَ أَوْزَارَهُمْ عَلَى ظُهُورِهِمْ They will bear their burdens on their backs, which will come to them on the day of rising in the ugliest of forms and with the foulest stink, and will be borne by those responsible for them. أَلَا سَاءَ مَا يَزِرُونَ How evil is what they bear. The word alas, ya hasratana, in verse number 31, is more than alas. It is a term to express utter demise and utter regret and utter remorse that they had that opportunity and they wasted it and it's as if they are making dua against themselves asking for that type of destruction because of their neglect and their heedlessness in this world the life of this world meaning occupation with it is nothing but a game and a diversion what is better are acts of obedience and what helps one to do them the next world, meaning the garden, is better for those who are God-fearing and fear idolatry. Will you not then use your intellect? And also, in which case the meaning is, will they not then use their intellect and believe? And often you find in the Quran, verse 32, these different qira'at between you and they. And Allah is referring to the people of Quraysh, for example, or sometimes maybe the people of the book, or sometimes the previous nations that came. And Allah uses the third person, would they, did they not understand? Would they not reflect? Then the other qira'ah comes, and you. Because that is the whole point of these stories. That yes, will they not reflect at that time, at their time, they didn't reflect, they didn't remember, they didn't understand. But the other qira'ah which gives the added meaning is that and you as well, meaning us, me and you, why will we not then reflect? Why don't we take heed from their stories and benefit from those lessons? And that is from the benefits of the qira'at, that it gives you sometimes those additional meanings. Yeah. We know that what they say to you in denial distresses you. It is not that they are denying you. يُكَذِّبُونَكَ In secret because they know that he is speaking the truth. Another reading is يُكَذِّبُونَكَ Another reading is يَكْذِبُونَكَ which gives the meaning it is not that they are calling you a liar. وَلَكِنَّ الظَّالِمِينَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ يَجَحَدُونَ The wrongdoers are just refuting and denying Allah's signs, meaning the Qur'an. Verse 34. The following is also to give solace to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. وَلَقَدْ كُذِّبَتْ رُسُلٌ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ Messengers before you were also denied. فَصَبَرُوا عَلَى مَا كُذِّبُوا وَأُوذُوا حَتَّى أَتَاهُمْ نَصْرُنَا But they were steadfast in the face of the denial and injury. They suffered until our help arrived in the form of the destruction of their hostile peoples. So be patient until victory comes through the, through the destruction of your people. وَلَا مُبَدِّلَ لِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ There is no changing the words of Allah, meaning His promises. وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكَ مِنْ نَبَئِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ 
and news of other messengers has come to you, which should set your heart at rest. Verse number 34. Allah Azza wa Jal is consoling the Prophet because as we know the Prophet took it very hard upon himself when his people rejected him. And how the Prophet found it difficult to bear that these are people that he loved and people that he lived amongst, the people that were related to him and people that he knew from childhood. And now they're rejecting him. People who before Islam used to praise him for his honesty, for his integrity, for his trustworthiness. And now they claim that he's a liar and a magician and a sorcerer and so on and so forth. So the Prophet would take this personally and he found it difficult to bear and Allah is saying that this is always the sunnah, it is the practice, it is the method that all of the prophets had to endure and the way that their people dealt with them. And that's why in the story of the beginning of Revelation, when the Prophet goes to Khadija radiallahu anha and Khadija takes him to her cousin Waraqa ibn Nawfal and one of the things that Waraqa says to him that if only I was young and healthy that I could protect you when your people will exile you and expel you. And the Prophet says, Will my people exile me? Meaning that it's not something which he imagined, not something which he thought was even possible, that they would treat him in that way. People who loved him so much that it would lead to such an extent that they would exile him and expel him. Baraka said to him that no one came with a message like you came, except that his people tried to expel him. And then he says, وَلَا مُبَدِّلَ لِكَلِمَاتِ And the words of Allah do not change. And that is his promises and his decree and what Allah Azza wa Jal commands. وَإِن كَانَ كَبُرَ عَلَيْكَ إِعْرَاضُهُمْ If they're turning away from Islam, it's hard on you because you are eager for them to become Muslim. فَإِنْ اسْتَطَعْتَ أَنْ تَبَتَغِيَ نَفَقًا فِي الْأَرْضِ أَوْ سُلَّمًا فِي السَّمَاءِ فَتَأْتِيَهُمْ then if you can, go down a tunnel deep into the earth or climb up a ladder into heaven and bring them a sign which they ask for. The implied meaning is that you will not be able to do that. So be patient until Allah judges. If Allah had willed for them to be guided, He would have gathered them all to guidance. But He did not, and so they did not believe. Do not then be among the ignorant by behaving like that. إِنَّمَا يَسْتَجِيبُ الَّذِينَ يَسْمَعُونَ Only those who can hear and understand respond to the call to believe. وَالْمَوْتَى يَبَعَثُهُمُ اللَّهِ As for the dead, the unbelievers who resemble the dead in that they cannot hear, Allah will raise them up in the next world. ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ يُرْجَعُونَ Then to him they will be returned and he will repay them for their actions. Verse number 36, just as a side point, one of the sciences of the Qur'an that is extremely important is called the science of al-waqf al-ibtida' when to start and stop in a verse and I'm mentioning it here because this is a very good example and if you have the Qur'an in front of you you will find that on, in the Qur'an when Allah says there's a little meme on top which means that you must pause there unless you're going to read the entire verse in a single breath and that is because the meaning is in verse number 36 only those who can hear respond Meaning, only those who hear can in the ismaun. Only the living, meaning those who can hear, respond. Wal mauta and the dead. And if you were to stop there, in the the meaning becomes that the living and the dead can hear and respond. And we know that the dead, once they have died, do not respond. They do not follow 
the or they don't have the option to follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nor can they do any more good deeds and that's why the scholars have these little uh, if you like symbols there to tell you where to stop and where it's appropriate to stop and not to stop and that is a science of the Quran that has been neglected in our time that the early scholars of Islam used to write poetry on and books that they dedicated to this science because it is an important science of understanding when and where in the Quran you should stop and pause to take a breath so that the meaning always remains correct and that you don't inadvertently say something which then becomes a major issue in terms of belief or some other aspect. They, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, say, Why is no sign such as the Shi Kamil of Salih, the staff of Musa, or the table of Isa sent down to him from his Lord? Say, meaning to them, Allah has the power to send down a sign, read as Yunzila and Yunazila, a sign which they ask for. But most of them do not know that its descent would be a trial for them and would bring the destruction if they denied it. Verse 37, the, one of the benefits also in the differences in Qiraat is in the Arabic language, the Shadda, and I think we mentioned this before, is a more eloquent form of the, of the word. It is to emphasize. Allah has the ability to send that sign for you that you ask for. And Allah has the ability to send all of the signs. Not just one, He will send all of them to you if He wished and if He pleased to do so. And so the, the shadda in, in the verb always denotes something which is of a greater extent or for more emphasis. There is no creature crawling on the earth or flying creature flying on its wings who are not nations like, just like yourselves in respect of the management of their creation, provision and states. ما فرقنا في الكتاب من شيء. We have not omitted anything from the book, meaning the preserved tablet, but have recorded everything. ثم إلى ربهم يحشرون. Then they will be gathered to their Lord. Their Lord will decide between his animal creatures regarding every point of difference they have, even between the horned and hornless sheep. Then he will tell them to be dust. Verse number thirty-eight. Allah Azza wa Jalla says that there is not a single species that Allah has created except that they are like nations unto themselves and I think in our time this is a concept that we can understand perhaps with greater, greater clarity than ever before because of the work of naturalists and biologists and others that they have gone and given us that information and anyone that's watched any David Attenborough series or anything similar will understand the depth of knowledge that Allah has given to those animals within themselves and in their own context and within their own limited abilities that Allah has given to them that allows them to, to live and cohabit and hunt and continue as Allah Azza wa has decreed for them. And that is from the greatest signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah doesn't just preserve and maintain and provide for us as humans but all of those countless species of birds and fish and plants and other things that Allah has created in this universe that we know and understand and that we don't know and that we don't understand. Allah Azza wa Jal has provided for them all, maintains them all, protects them all. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ma farraqna fil kitabi min shay. Nothing has been omitted from this book. Some of the scholars said it refers to the Quran. The book being referred to is the Quran. 
nothing has been omitted from what we need in terms of guidance and seeking salvation and coming closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. Another said, as a Suyuti has chosen here, rahimahullah, that it is the Lawh al-Mahfud, and that is also the opinion of Shaykh al-Sa'di and Ibn Uthaymin, alayhim rahmatullah. And both meanings are, insha'Allah ta'ala, correct. وَالَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا Sorry, the last point that he mentioned in, in verse 38 is a hadith that we know that the Prophet said that Allah from his justice on the day of judgment is that he will even exact revenge between the animals, that the hornless animal that was gouged by the horned animal, Allah will have justice between them before he decrees that they are all to die and be, be, uh, you know, be destroyed. And that is from Allah's justice subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is a hadith that he is referring to. Verse 39, those who deny our signs, meaning the Qur'an, are deaf to hearing and accepting it, and dumb to speaking the truth in utter darkness of unbelief. May Allah misguides whomever he wills. And guides and puts whomever he wills on a straight path, meaning the deen of Islam. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتَكُمْ إِنْ أَتَاكُمْ عَذَابُ اللَّهِ أَوْ أَتَتْكُمُ السَّاعَةِ Say, Muhammad وسلم, to the people of Mecca, tell me, what would you think if Allah's punishment were to come upon you in this world or the hour, meaning the day of rising which includes the final hour suddenly? Would you call on other than Allah if you are being truthful about the idols being able to help you? Call on them then. Call on them then. The truth is that you would not. بَلْ إِيَّاهُ تَدْعُونَ فَيَكْشِفُ مَا تَدْعُونَ إِلَيْهِ It is him alone you call on in times of hardship and if he wills he will remove harm and difficulties from you and deliver you from whatever it was that, that made you call on him And you will forget and abandon the partners you ascribe to him meaning the idols which you should not call upon in verses 40 and 41, Allah Azza wa speaks about the reality of the Meccans. And this was their reality as Allah Azza wa mentions elsewhere in the Qur'an. That in times of dire need and calamity and hardship, they would turn to Allah and worship Him alone with sincerity. And Allah Azza wa mentions in the Qur'an, When they were on the ocean, on their ships, they would worship Allah and call to Him alone. And when he would bring them safely back to land, they would once again make shirk with him. And it is the same that Allah Azza wa Jal is saying here. Which shows you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can sometimes respond to even people of disbelief when they have sincerity in calling upon him in their own way, as Allah mentions in these verses. But it shows the fallacy of their belief that they know Allah's power and they know that he alone subhanahu wa ta'ala controls everything, but they still insist on making shirk in times of ease and in times of comfort. And what is worse than this then is today what we see unfortunately amongst the Muslims that even in times of calamity and hardship, they will still turn to other than Allah and make dua to other than Allah and hope from other than Allah Azza wa Jal, meaning that even their basic understanding of this concept is no longer there. May Allah Azza wa Jal protect us all. وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا إِلَىٰ أُمَمٍ مِّن قَبْلِكَ We sent messengers to nations before you, but they denied them. فَأَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِالْبَأْسَاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَضَرَّعُونَ And we afflicted those nations with hardship, meaning intense poverty, and distress, meaning illness, so that perhaps they would humble themselves and believe. 
فلولا إذ جاءهم بأسنا تضرعوا If only they had humbled themselves when our violent force, meaning our punishment, came upon them. In other words, they did, they did not do that when that was what was necessary. وَلَكِنْ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ However, their hearts were hard and not softened to believe. وَزَيَّنَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ And shaytan made what, meaning the acts of disobedience they were doing, of appear good to them, and so they persisted in them. فَلَمَّا نَسُوا مَا ذُكِّرُوا بِهِ فَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَبَوَابَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ When they forgot and abandoned what they had been reminded of and cautioned about regarding hardship and distress, and they did not heed the warning, then we opened up the doors to everything for them. Read as فَتَحْنَا and فَتَحْنَا All manner of blessings to draw them on. حَتَّى إِذَا فَرِحُوا بِمَا أُوتُوا أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بَغْتَةً Until when they were proud and exulting in what they had been given. We suddenly seize them with a punishment. فَإِذَا هُمْ مُبْلِسُونَ And at once they were in despair and gave up all hope of any future good. فَقُطْعَ دَابِرُ الْقَوْمِ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا So the last remnant of the people who did wrong was cut off and eradicated. وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Praise belongs to Allah, the Lord of all the worlds, for helping the messengers and destroying the unbelievers. And verse 45 is an example of Allah praising himself in the middle of a surah. As we mentioned at the beginning of Surah Fatiha, Allah praises himself at the beginning of surahs, at the end of surahs like in Surah Al-Safat, and in the midst of surahs like here in this particular example. And from the benefits that we can draw from that is that Allah is right to be praised and Allah is deserving to be praised at the beginning and at the end and during our actions of worship and during our, uh, the things that we do. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ سَمْعَكُمْ وَأَبْصَارَكُمْ وَخَتَمَ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ Say, meaning to the people of Mecca, tell me, what would you think if Allah took away your hearing, meaning made you deaf, and your sight, meaning made you blind, and sealed up and stamped your hearts, so you cannot recognize anything. مَنْ إِلَهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِهِ What God is there other than Allah who could give you them back to you, after he has taken them from you, as they claim. انظر كيف نصرف الآيات. Look how we vary, look how we vary the signs and make them clear, and they are proofs of our oneness. ثم هم يصدفون. Yet still they turn away from it and do not believe. قل أرأيتكم إن أتاكم عذاب الله بغتة أو جهرة. Say to them, what would you think if Allah's punishment were to come upon you suddenly by night or openly by day? هل يهلك إلا القوم الظالمون. Would any but the wrongdoing people, meaning the unbelievers, be destroyed? This means that only they would be destroyed. وَمَا نُرْسِلُ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِلَّا مُبَشِّرِينَ وَمُنْذِرِينَ We do not send the messengers except to bring good news of the garden to those who believe and to give warning of the fire to those who disbelieve. فَمَنْ آمَنَ وَأَصْلَحَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ As for those who believe and put things right with righteous action, they will feel no fear and know no sorrow in the next world. وَالَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا يَمَسُّهُمُ الْعَذَابُ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْسُقُونَ The punishment will fall on those who deny our signs because they were degenerate and abandoned obedience. قُلْ لَا أَقُولُ لَكُمْ عِنْدِي خَزَائِنُ اللَّهِ وَلَا أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبَ وَلَا أَقُولُ لَكُمْ إِنِّي مَلَكٍ Say to them, I do not say to you that I possess the treasuries of Allah from which the provision of all creatures come, nor do I know the unseen, which is hidden from me and not revealed to me, nor do I say to you that I am an angel. 
إن أتبع إلا ما يوحى إلي I only follow what has been revealed to me قل هل يستوي الأعمى والبصير Say are the blind meaning the unbelievers the same as those who see meaning the believers أثلا تتفكرون Will you not reflect on that and believe Verse number 50, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that the Quraysh would demand things from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam just as the nations of the previous Prophets would demand things from their Prophets as if those Prophets have the ability to do as they please and bring those miracles at whim or at choice is something which they control, something which Allah Azza wa Jal has given them power over and so he's saying to them because they would ask, as we will be mentioned later on, for example, in Surah Al-Isra, they ask for treasure, they ask for wealth, they ask for rivers, they ask for gardens. They want all of these different miracles to come. If you bring us all of this, then we'll believe. As if faith also necessitates wealth and power and prestige, which as we know it doesn't, because the believers are often the ones who are not the wealthy, are not the strong, are not the ones who have all of the comforts of the dunya. And so this was their warped again understanding and mentality. And Allah Azza wa is commanding the Prophet to say to them that that's not in my power. It's not something which I do. But the one who has Iman in their heart, it is sufficient for them to see the smallest of signs. And the smallest of reminders benefits them. And it makes them turn back to Allah Azza wa Whereas those people who don't have that basic Iman, even the greatest of signs, and even the majority of signs if they were to come to them, wouldn't benefit or profit them. وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ أَن يُحْشَرُوا إِلَى رَبِّهِمْ لَيْسَ لَهُمْ مِنْ دُونِهِ وَلِيٌّ وَلَا شَفِيعٌ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ One, an alarm by it, meaning the Qur'an, those who fear, they will be gathered to their Lord, meaning the rebellious believers, having no protector to help them or intercessor to intercede for them apart from him, so that perhaps they will be God-fearing which will remove them from the state they are in and so they will perform acts of obedience. And that shows, verse 51, that one of the greatest ways of reminding people who sin, who turn away from Allah, is by using the Qur'an and the verses of the Qur'an and reminding them by what Allah has said, Those who fear understand that they will be resurrected to their Lord, return to their Lord, use the Qur'an to remind them of their Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا تَطْرُدِ الَّذِينَ يَذْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ يُنِيدُونَ وَجْهَةِ Do not chase away those who call on their Lord morning and evening seeking His face by their worship, desiring nothing of the goods of this world. They are the poor. The idolaters attacked them and demanded of the Prophet ﷺ to drive them away so that they could sit with him. He did so out of the desire for them to become Muslim. مَا عَلَيْكَ مِنْ حِسَابِهِمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ وَمَا مِنْ حِسَابِكَ عَلَيْهِمْ the reckoning is in no way your responsibility if the inward is not pleasing. And your reckoning is in no way their responsibility. Indeed, if you did chase them away, you would be among the wrongdoers for doing that. In verse 52, this uh, incident that is mentioned is authentic. It's collected in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. He says that I was sitting with the Prophet وسلم, with Abdullah bin Mas'ud and Bilal and three other companions that he doesn't name. And he says that as we were sitting there, the noble, no, noble men of Quraysh came and they said, O oh Muhammad, expel these lowly people because they were weak or they were free slaves and so on. Expel them and so we can sit with you. And the Prophet ﷺ agreed because he wanted to guide them. And he thought that they were sincere and he wanted to give them the opportunity to hear their message. So if this is the condition they place, it was acceptable to the Prophet ﷺ. But Allah Azza wa Jal corrected the Prophet ﷺ. 
And the reason why the Prophet ﷺ wants them to come to Islam is because they are wealthy and strong and they have power. And if they accept Islam, the people that follow them, their tribes people, will also enter into Islam. Because in those times, people often follow their leaders in these affairs. They devote these issues to them. And so, by their Islam, Islam becomes stronger. And Allah Azza wa is saying to the Prophet ﷺ, that's not something which you need to worry about. Allah will strengthen Islam, Allah will protect it, and Allah will give it victory. But it is better for you to be with those people who are sincere, worshipping their Lord, praising their Lord, than to look for those people who, because of their wealth and because of their, their status and their lineage, they think that they are better than others. And that is a great lesson for us because often we judge people by those standards of wealth, of lineage, of status, of beauty, and those man-made standards that we have placed. But the standards of Allah Azza wa Jalla and the way that He judges people is far greater and far more just subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla gives this lesson to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we know that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made dua on another occasion that Allah strengthens Islam by the two Umars that are more beloved to him. Either Abu Jahl or Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu and Allah guided Umar radiyallahu anhu to Islam. The difference between that and this is that this is at the expense of the believers and especially the weak amongst them. It is a condition that the Quraysh were placing upon the Prophet ﷺ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet ﷺ that he should not accept. And a similar verse to this will be mentioned later on in Surah Al-Kahf as well. Thus do we try some of them by means of others, meaning the noble through the lowly and the rich through the poor, by making the latter believe first. ليقولوا أهؤلاء من الله عليهم من بيننا until they meaning the nobles and rich will say an objection are these meaning the poor the people among us to whom Allah has shown His favor by guiding them if what they have is really guidance we would have been granted it first Allah says أليس الله بأعلم بالشاكرين does not Allah know best those who are thankful to Him and so guide them indeed He does and in verse fifty three again this warped thinking of theirs, that surely if this is from Allah and there is good in this and this is the path to salvation, we would have been guided to it before the poor and the weak and the slaves and the women and so on and so forth. This is the way that they think because we are nobler and because of our nobility, because of our status, because of our wealth, surely Allah gave us these blessings because He loves us more. So therefore, by extension, He would give us guidance before them as well. And Allah Azza wa is saying, Allah knows better who is more deserving of His guidance. And again, it is the same mistake that we often make in terms of the way that we judge things and the standards that we use. وَإِذَا جَاءَكَ الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِآيَاتِنَا فَقُلْ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ When those who believe in our signs come to you, say, meaning to them, peace be upon you. كَتَبَ رَبُّكُمْ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ الرَّحْمَةِ Your Lord has made mercy incumbent on Himself and decreed it for Himself. أنه من عمل منكم سوءا بجهالة ثم تاب من بعده وأصلح فأنه غفور رحيم. If redas أنه and إنه if any among you does evil out of ignorance and then afterwards repents and puts things right puts things right by his, by righteous actions he is ever forgiving to him most merciful to him. Verse fifty four is an amazing verse about how you deal with someone who sins and does evil, and then comes to you, 
asking you if they can ask forgiveness from Allah or what is the path to repentance or they feel that that hurt within their heart and so they come and they express their sorrows and their woes to you and the first thing that Allah says is that you give them the salam, console them and you make them feel peace and serenity and then you remind them of Allah's mercy and you remind them that Allah is the one who accepts repentance like the story of the man who killed 99 men and he goes to a man who he asks, can I ask for repentance? And the man says, no, how can you ask for repentance when you kill 99 men in cold blood? So he kills him as well and makes it a hundred. And then he goes to the scholar and the scholar says to him, who can come between you and Allah's mercy? And there is often a mistake when people do sins and they come to us that we make them feel worse and they're already down and we kick them even more. But what is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is that those people should be made to feel Allah's mercy and that it is something which is expansive and comprehensive. And the fact that they feel that way in their heart and they've come to acknowledge their sin and they feel that sense of unease is in itself one of the greatest signs of Iman. Because only the believers feel that way. The disbelievers, the hypocrites, when they sin, they don't feel any remorse, they don't feel any unease in their hearts. It is the believers who when they sin, they feel within their hearts that they are uneasy. And that is a sign of their iman. And this is therefore a very powerful and amazing verse. In that way, as we have made clear in what has been mentioned, we make the signs, meaning the Qur'an, plain and clear, so that the truth appears and can be acted upon can be acted on, so that the path of the evildoers may be clearly seen. Sabilu, path, is also read as sabila, in which case the meaning is so that you may see, see clearly the path of the evildoers. This being addressed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. قُلْ إِنِّي نُهِيتُ أَنْ أَعْبُدَ الَّذِينَ تَدْعُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Say, I am forbidden to worship those you call upon, and worship besides Allah. قُلْ لَا أَتَّبِعُ أَهْوَاءَكُمْ قَدْ ضَلَلْتُ إِذًا وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُهْتَدِينَ Say, I do not follow your whims and desires in my worship. If I did follow them, I would go astray and not be among the guided. قُلْ إِنِّي عَلَى بَيِّنَةٍ مِّنْ رَبِّي وَكَذَّبْتُمْ بِهِ Say, I stand on a clear sign from my Lord, and yet you have denied it. Meaning, denied my Lord by associating others with him. I do not have in my possession what you are in such haste to bring about, meaning punishment. Jurisdiction over it and other things belongs to Allah alone. He decides the truth and he is the best of deciders and judges. Read as yaqdi and also yaqussu, in which case the meaning is he tells. قُلْ لَوْ أَنَّ عِنْدِي مَا تَسْتَعْجِلُونَ بِهِ لَقُضِيَ الْأَمْرُ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَكُمْ Say, meaning to them, if I did have in my possession what you are in such haste to bring about, the affair between me and you would have been decided because I would bring it about and then have nothing more to do. But it is up to Allah. وَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ بِالظَّالِمِينَ Allah has best knowledge of the wrongdoers and will punish them. وَعِنْدَهُ مَفَاتِحُ الْغَيْبِ the keys to the unseen, meaning his treasures or the paths leading to his knowledge, are in his possession. لا يعلمها إلا هو. No one knows them but him. There are five such things, as in the ayah. Allah has knowledge of the hour. And the hadith reports by Al-Bukhari. وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ He knows everything that happens in the land, in deserts, and sea, in towns, on the coast. وَمَا تَسْقُطُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا 
no leaf falls without his knowing it. وَلَا حَبَّةٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ الْأَرْضِ There is no seed in the darkness of the earth. وَلَا رَطُبٍ وَلَا يَابِسٍ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ And nothing moist or dry which is not in a clear book, meaning the preserved tablet. This uh, verse speaks about Allah Azzawajal's knowledge of the unseen. And therefore it is something which is specific to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the knowledge of the unseen, except for that which he gives to some of it he gives to his prophets or his messengers alayhim salatu wassalam and the verse that is being referred to is the verse of the Quran inna allaha indahu ilmu sa'ah wa yunazziru al-ghaytha wa ya'lamu ma fi al-arham wa ma tadri nafsun mada taksibu ghada wa ma tadri nafsun bi'ayi ardin tamut and it's mentioned in the hadith in Sahih Bukhari that it is from the knowledge that Allah has kept for himself Allah has knowledge of the hour and Allah has knowledge where the rain will descend. And Allah has knowledge of the wounds. And Allah has knowledge what a person will do tomorrow. Meaning the actions that they will perform. And Allah has knowledge of the land upon which they will die. And that is an authentic hadith as you can see in Sahih al-Bukhari. And this shows us the knowledge of Allah Azza wa Jal. Not a single leaf falls. There is not a single small speck upon the earth. Except that Allah has knowledge over it subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he sees it and he hears it and he knows it subhanahu wa ta'ala. As is mentioned in the narration that Allah sees the black ant on the dark, the black rock in the darkness of the night and on a moonless night. Allah sees it and he knows it and he understands it and hears it subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is he who takes you back to himself at night, meaning taking your souls when you sleep. While knowing the things you perpetrate by day. And then wakes you up again, restoring your souls to life, so that a specified, specified term of life may be fulfilled. Then you will return to him at the resurrection. Then he will inform you about what you did and repay you for it. And this verse, يتوفاكم, when Allah Azza wa mentions it elsewhere in the Quran, Allah يتوفل أنفس حين موتها والتي لم تمت في منامها. The word يتوفاكم literally means death. And that is because when a person dies, as the Prophet said, sleep is the brother of death. And so it is often used in that word, the wording of death is often used to describe sleep in that regard as well. And clearly that's why Allah Azza wa says, He is the one who gives death and takes away the soul from as they live. And the soul of the person that dies, that Allah has, that sleeps rather, that Allah has decreed, will not awake again. He is the absolute master with total power over his slaves. He sends recording angels to watch over you and record people's actions. Then when death comes to one of you, read as tawaffathu and tawaffahu, our messengers, meaning the angels who are charged with taking the soul, take him and they do not fail in their duty but confine themselves to doing what they are commanded. Then they, meaning the slaves, are returned to Allah, their master, the real, who is firm in his justice and will repay them for their actions. Jurisdiction and judgment which will be carried out on them belongs to him alone and he is the swiftest of reckoners. He will reckon all of creation in half a day by going by the measure of the days of this world, according to hadith.
قل من ينجيكم من ظلمات البر والبحر Say, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to the people of Mecca, who rescues you from the terrors of the darkness of the land and sea during your journeys? تَدْعُونَهُ تَضَرُّعَهُ وَخُفْيَةً لَإِنْ أَنْجَانَا مِنْ هَذِهِ لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الشَّاكِرِينَ When you call on him humbly in public and secretly saying, if he rescues us, or it is أَنْجَانَا and أَنْجَيْتَنَا, you rescue us from this, meaning this darkness and hardship, we will truly be among the thankful believers. قُلِ اللَّهُ يُنَجِّيكُمْ مِنْهَا وَمِنْ كُلِّ كَرُبَ Say to them, Allah rescues you. Read as يُنَجِّيكُمْ and يُنْجِيكُمْ Allah rescues you from it and from every distress and sorrow. ثُمَّ أَنْتُمْ تُشْرِكُونَ Then you associate others with him. قُلْ هُوَ الْقَادِرُ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَبْعَثَ عَلَيْكُمْ عَذَابًا مِنْ فَوْقِكُمْ أَوْ مِنْ تَحْتِ أَرْجُلِكُمْ أَوْ يَلْبِسَكُمْ شِيَعًا وَيُذِيقَ بَعْضَكُمْ بَأْسَ بَعْضٍ Say, he possesses the power to send you punishment from above your heads, meaning out of heaven, as in the case of stones and the shout, or from underneath your feet, as when the earth collapses under them, or to confuse you in sects, different groups with different whims, and make you taste each other's violence by fighting. The Prophet said, when this was revealed, this is easier. And when what was before it was revealed, he said, I seek refuge with your face, collected by Al-Bukhari. Muslim reports the hadith, I asked Allah that my community should not be subject to mutual violence, but he refused to grant that. In another hadith, when this was revealed, the Prophet ﷺ said, either they already exist or they have not yet come about. Look how we vary the signs meaning evidence of our power, and make them clear to them, so that perhaps they will understand and know that what they have is false. This verse, verse number 65, the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions a number of hadith, and the first hadith that he mentions in Sahih al-Bukhari is the hadith of Jabir, radiyallahu anda, when Allah Azza wa Jal revealed this verse, verse 65, and Allah says, قُلْ هُوَ الْقَادِرُ عَلَىٰ إِنْ يَبْعَثَ عَلَيْكُمْ عَذَابًا مِنْ فَوْقِكُمْ he possesses the power to send you punishment from above your heads, meaning from the heaven. The Prophet ﷺ said, أَعُوذُ بِوَجْهِ I seek refuge in your face, meaning I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from being destroyed from above, as many nations were. When the, the destruction and the punishment would come from above them, and they would be completely wiped out. The Prophet ﷺ sought refuge. O مِنْ تَحْتِ أَرْجُلِكُمْ or that protection or that destruction rather should come from underneath your feet. And again in the hadith of Bukhari, he sought refuge from this. A'udhu bi wajhik. In the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu. I seek refuge in you, O Allah, from this. Because there were nations like Qamun and others that were swallowed by the earth. And they were destroyed from underneath. And then Allah Azza wa says, O yalbisakum shia'a wa yudhiqa ba'dakum ba'saba'a. Or he makes you into different groups and sects and he makes you taste each other's violence. And the Prophet said, This is lesser. Meaning, this is easier to bear than the destruction that comes from above and from beneath. Because those destructions wipe everyone out and they kill everyone and they leave no one. Whereas people fighting, there are times that they fight and times that they don't. And some people affected and some people not. And people can try to stay away. And it is easier to deal with that than that type of punishment that comes from above. And the hadith that he mentions in Sahih Muslim is also the famous hadith which the Prophet ﷺ asked Allah Azza wa for three things. Two were given and one was not. And the one was not that was not is that he asked Allah that his people should not 
fight one another, that there shouldn't be civil strife and war amongst the Muslims, that they shouldn't pitch against one another. And that is what Allah Azza wa refused to grant our Prophet ﷺ. And that is why we have seen from the earliest times of the Muslims, examples of Muslims fighting one another. May Allah Azza wa keep us all safe. And the final um, narration that he mentions, either they already exist or they have not yet come about, that is the narration of a Tirmidhi and that is a weak narration. So the first two, Bukhari and Muslim, are authentic. The last one is in a Tirmidhi and that is a weak narration. Your people deny it, meaning the Quran, and yet it is the truth. Say to them, I am not here as your guardian, in that your punishment is in my hands. I am merely a warner, and what happens to you is Allah's business. This was before the command to fight. Every tidings has its time, a time at which it will occur when he will punish you. And you will certainly come to know This is a threat When you see people involved in mockery of our signs Meaning the Quran Turn from them and do not sit with them Until they get involved in other talk And if shaytan should ever cause you to forget Red as يُنسِيَنَّكَ and يُنَسِّنَّكَ يُنَسِّيَنَّكَ Red as يُنسِيَنَّكَ and يُنَسِّيَنَّكَ and you sit with them Once you remember, do not stay sitting with the wrongdoers The Muslim said, if we get up and go wherever they are talking We will not be able to sit in the mosque or do tawaf Then the following was revealed So this verse, verse number 68 is a prohibition to sit with those people who mock the religion and not just the Qur'an so the signs are the Qur'an obviously primarily but any aspect of the religion that people are making fun of you stay away from them and you don't partake within that and then the statement of the author rahimahullah ta'ala the Muslims said if we get up and we go whenever they are talking we will never be able to sit in the masjid or do the tawaf because the Quraysh when they were sitting around the Kaaba would often ridicule the Muslims and often uh, ridicule Islam so these people are saying so then th- therefore when can we ever go to the masjid meaning the haram when can we ever go to make tawaf or pray there because they're always mocking Islam and that is the commentary to the next verse to verse 69 the Muslims said if we get up and go whenever they are talking we will not be able to sit in the mosque or do tawaf that is the commentary of the next verse 69 they're reckoning that of those who get involved with such talk is in no way the responsibility of those who are God-fearing when they sit with them. But they must remind them and admonish them so that perhaps they will be God-fearing and fear becoming involved in that. Abandon those who have made their deen for which they are responsible to again and a diversion by mocking it and who have been deluded by the life of this world. Do not pay any attention to them. This was revealed before the command to fight. Remind and admonish people by it, meaning the Qur'an, lest a person be delivered up to destruction for what he has earned, meaning his actions, with no protector or helper or intercessor to help to defend him from the punishment besides Allah. 
وَإِن تَعْدِلْ كُلَّ عَدِلِ اللَّهِ يُخَذْ مِنْهَا Were he to offer every kind of compensation as ransom, it, meaning the, that ransom, will not be accepted from him. أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ أُبَسِنُوا بِمَا كَسَبُوا Such people are delivered up to destruction for what they have earned. لَهُمْ شَرَابٌ مِّنْ حَمِيمٌ They will have scalding water to drink. وَعَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْفُرُونَ and a painful punishment because they disbelieved on account of their unbelief. قُلْ أَنَدْعُوا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَنْفَعُنَا وَلَا يَضُرُّنَا وَنُرَدُّ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَانَ اللَّهِ Say, are we to call on and worship something besides Allah which can neither help us through our worship nor harm us if we do not worship them, meaning idols, and to turn on our heels and revert to being idolaters after Allah has guided us to the deen of Islam. كَالَّذِ اسْتَهْوَتْهُ الشَّيَاطِينُ فِي الْأَرْضِ حَيْرَانَ لَهُ أَصْحَابٌ يَدْعُونَهُ إِلَى الْهُدَأْتِنَا Like someone the shaytans have misguided and led away in the earth, leaving him confused and bewildered, not knowing which way to go, despite the fact that he has companions calling him to guidance, trying to guide him to the path and saying, come with us. But he does not respond to them and is destroyed by his refusal to do so. The question is an objection. قُلْ إِنَّ هُدَى اللَّهِ هُوَ الْهُدَى Say, Allah's guidance, that is true guidance. And anything else is misguidance. وَأُمِرْنَا لِنُسْلِمَ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ We are commanded to submit to the Lord of all the worlds. Allah Azza wa Jalla, this verse 71. Should we be like those who worship besides Allah, those that can neither benefit them nor harm them. And those who worship Allah in that way, <coughs> those gods besides Allah that can neither benefit nor harm them, are like those who have been misguided by shaitan, lured away, lured away, into the earth, confused and bewildered. Even when people are calling them, trying to guide them, showing them the signs of Allah, they cannot find their path to that, they cannot find their way to that path of guidance. And that is what misguidance does unless Allah Azza wa grants someone guidance. And this shows you therefore the preciousness and the value of the blessing of Allah Azza wa that is hidayah and guidance. وَأَنْ أَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَاتَّقُونَ And to establish the prayer and be fearful of them. وَهُوَ الَّذِي إِلَيْهِ تُحْشَرُونَ It is he to whom you will be gathered on the day of rising for the reckoning. وَهُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِالْحَقَّةِ It is he who created the heavens and the earth with truth. وَيَوْمَ يَقُولُكُمْ فَيَكُونَ Remember the day he says to the thing, be, it is. That is a reference to the day of rising when Allah would say to creation, rise, and they will rise. His speech is truth, which means that it must be so and must take place. The kingdom will be his the day the trumpet is blown. This, this refers to the second blast of the trumpet by Israfil. No one will have any dominion on that day but him. To whom belongs dominion today? To Allah. عَالِمُ الْغَيْبِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ وَهُوَ الْحَكِيمُ الْخَبِيرِ The knower of the unseen and the visible, whatever is hidden and whatever is seen. He is the all-wise in his creation, the all-aware of the inward, as well as the outward of all things. Allah Azza wa in this verse, verse number 73, refers to the blowing of the trumpet, which will be the signal of the day of judgment. And in the hadith, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the angel that has been entrusted with blowing the trumpet has inhaled and taken a deep breath and has placed the trumpet to its mouth and is looking towards the arsh, the throne of Allah Azza wa Jal, ready to exhale and blow 
and he dare not, it dare not, the angel dare not blink, lest it should miss the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning that it is poised and ready, showing the nearness of Yawmul Qiyamah. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ آزَرَ أَتَتَّخِذُ أَصْنَامًا آلِهَةً Remember when Ibrahim said to his father, Azar, his title, his name being Tira. Do you take Tarikh or Tarakh? Okay. His title, his name being Tarikh. Do you take idols as gods? He censured him for worshipping idols. This question is meant as a rebuke. إِنِّي أَرَاكَ وَقَوْمَكَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ I see that you and your people are clearly misguided by adopting them. They are plainly misguided from the truth. Verse 74 onwards, Allah Azza wa Jalla will now speak about the, the story of Ibrahim with his father in more detail. And we mentioned the story of Ibrahim before and snippets of it, but this is, will be more in detail, especially with regards to his interactions with his people and his father. Because as we said, this is a surah that deals with the signs and the evidences of worshipping Allah alone. And from those signs and evidences is what Ibrahim السلام, and the discussions that he will have with his father and his people. وَيَلْقَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ آزَرٌ Taala says his title, Azar. And that is because in many of the books of history and biography, the name that is given to the father of Ibrahim السلام, is Tarikh or Tarakh, with the Fatha or with the Kasra, Tarikh or Tarakh. That is the name that is given to him. But Allah Azza wa Jal, when he refers to the father of Ibrahim السلام, doesn't refer to him in that way. He calls him Azar. Calls him Azar. And the scholars of Tafsir therefore differ on this issue. Was this a name, the name of Ibrahim السلام's father? His father's name therefore is Azar because clearly the Quran takes precedence over any book of genealogy or any book of history or biography. Or did he have two names that he was known by? In which case his name was Tariq or Tarakh and this was his title as Asyuti Rahimullah Ta'ala is referring to here is a laqab that he was known by. And so Allah Azza wa is referring to him by his laqab, his title because he was more well known by that. Like Abu Talib, like Abu Jahal, like Abu Lahab. These were titles that they were famous for. They have names. Amr is the name of uh, Abu Jahal and so on. They have names that they're known by but they became famous with their with their titles and that is what became famous for them. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ آزَرُ When he said to his father, Azar. And the opinion of the vast majority of scholars of tafsir therefore is that Azar is the name of his father. And the opinion that Azar was not his father but his uncle his father was Tariq and Azar is referring to his uncle and when Allah says your father, the father takes a position or the uncle is like your father's is mentioned in the hadith and therefore is referring to his uncle and so on. That is a very far-fetched opinion and one which the majority if not all of the classical scholars of tafsir, some of them didn't mention and those who did mention dismissed because the Quran is taken apparently and there is no reason and no proof to say that it was his uncle that's being referred to and not his father. And so therefore it is his father that Allah names and Allah mentions him by name as he mentions Abu Lahab, another disbeliever, by name. And that is read in the Quran for Allah Azza wa usually when it comes to the disbelievers, mentions them as groups or nations, or by titles like Pharaoh, Fir'aun is a title that is given, and not by their names, and these are exceptions to that, and Allah Azza wa knows best. And he will now have this discussion 
with his own, with his people, with his father, about proving the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to them. وَكَذَلِكَ نُرِي إِبْرَاهِيمَ مَلَكُوتَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلِيَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُوْقِنِينَ Because of that, our demonstration to him of the misguidance of his father and his people, he showed Ibrahim the realms of the heavens and the earth to indicate evidence of Allah's oneness, so that he might be one of the people of certainty regarding that. This sentence is an interpolation into the narrative. Meaning that this is a part of the discussion. It is something which Allah Azza wa speaks about to praise and show the virtues of Ibrahim When night covered him and it became dark around and it became dark around him, he saw a star said to be Venus and said to his people who were astrologers, this is my Lord as you claim. Then when it set and disappeared, he said, I do not love what sets by taking them as lords because the true lord cannot change or pass away. Those being qualities belonging to temporal things. This statement of his, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, may Allah Azza wa forgive is us and him. At the end of verse 76, by taking them as lords because the true lord cannot change or pass away, those being qualities belonging to temporal things, is a qa'idah and principle that is used by those people who deny the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what he's referring to. Those people who deny the vast majority of the attributes of Allah say, because a true God cannot change. And a God that speaks can change because sometimes he speaks and sometimes he doesn't. And a God that descends changes because sometimes he descends and sometimes he doesn't. And the God that will come on Yawm Al-Qiyamah changes because before he comes on the Day of Judgment, he didn't come and so on and so forth. And because they place this qa'idah, this principle for themselves, that a God cannot be someone that changes, has to always be uh, stable or always be permanent, cannot change, because of that they fell into so many difficulties and so many issues and they ended up denying the vast majority of the names and attributes of Allah, some of them all of those attributes and names, some of them except for seven and some others. And that's because of this difficulty that they had of understanding Allah Azza wa Jalla. That Allah does as He pleases in a manner which befits His Majesty. And so again, this is an example of something that needs to be pointed out and something that we need to understand. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and Allah Azza wa speaks and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does as He pleases, as He pleases, when He pleases, in a manner which befits His Majesty. And His coming and His love and His speaking in no way is similar to our coming, our sitting, our speaking, and so on and so forth. And it is because of these principles that they had that it led them to saying things for example like the Quran is created it is not the speech of Allah because of the principle that they use that Allah cannot always be speaking therefore he doesn't speak and you often find this in their books and so it is important to mention that and point that out and and what he means therefore when he sets then when it sets because that's the issue that they have when it sets means that when the star is hidden, it's not visible anymore. And a God that is all-powerful, that is all-commanding, is a God that doesn't, cannot be hidden from his creation, veiled from them, in the sense that he doesn't know what's going on, can't hear them, can't see them, doesn't have knowledge of them. That is the meaning of the word afala. Then when he saw the moon rise, he said to them, this is my Lord. 
فلما أفل قال لئن لم يهدني ربي لأكونن من القوم الضالين Then when it said, he said, if my Lord does not guide me, I will be one of the misguided people. Then he would be exposed to the misguidance of his people and not be successful. فَلَمَّا رَأَى الشَّمْسَ بَازِغَةً قَالَ هَذَا رَبِّي هَذَا أَكْبَرُ Then when he saw the sunrise, he said, This is my Lord. This is greater than the stars and the moon. فَلَمَّا أَفَلَتْ قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ إِنِّي بَرِيءٌ مِّمَّا تُشْرِكُونَ Then when it set, and the proof was sufficiently strong for him, even if his people would not recant, he said, O oh my people, I am free of what you associate with Allah, from all objects of worship, subject to time and space, preferring the one who brings them into existence. These verses that Allah mentions concerning Ibrahim السلام, verses 76, 77 and 78, when Ibrahim السلام, is looking at the stars and the sun and the moon and he's having these discussions, the scholars differ. Is Ibrahim السلام, having these discussions because he's searching for the truth? Or is he saying this as way of arguing with his people and showing them the fallacy of their belief of worshipping other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the scholars said, Maqamun Nadar, it is Ibrahim himself that is searching, as was the position of Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala. But the stronger position, as supported by Ibn Kathir rahimahullah and others, is that the position is one of arguing, that Ibrahim already has faith. As Allah says in verse 75, we showed him the signs of the heavens and the earth. He was from the people of certainty. And that is where Allah Azzawajal inserts that verse showing that he already had the iman and that strength of Allah subhanahu wa strength of belief in Allah Azzawajal. Therefore, what he is saying about the sun and the moon and the stars is by way of him having that discourse and discussion with his people to show them the fallacy of their beliefs because they were people into astrology, people who believed that they should worship the sun and others, that these cannot be gods because there are times when they have to set. The sun has to set, the moon has to set, has no choice, cannot stay 24 hours a day without choice. It has to set at certain times and certain parts of the year. And Allah Azza knows best. إِنِّي وَجَّهْتُ وَجْهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ حَنِيثًا He said, I have turned my face to him, meaning Allah in my worship, who created and brought the heavens and earth into being a pure, natural believer. A Hanif who is someone who naturally inclines to the straight deen. وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ I am no idolater and I associate no one else with him. وَحَاجَّهُ قَوْمُهُ his people argued with him about his deen and threatened him by saying that the idols would cause him harm if he abandoned them. He said, are you arguing with me about the oneness of Allah when he has guided me to it? Read as tuhajuni and tuhajuni. without the shadda of the noon. And tuhajuni with the shadda. وَلَا أَخَافُ مَا تُشْرِكُونَ بِهِ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ رَبِّي شَيْئًا I have no fear of any partner among the idols you ascribe to him, causing me any evil, since they have no power to do anything, unless my Lord should will such a dislike thing to happen to me, in which case it must happen. وَسِعَ رَبِّي كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا My Lord encompasses everything in his knowledge. أَفَلَا تَتَذَكَّرُونَ So why do you not pay heed to this and believe? 
وكيف أخاف ما أشركتم ولا تخافون أنكم أشركتم بالله ما لم ينزل به عليكم سلطانا Why should I fear the partners you have ascribed to Allah which possess no power to either bring benefit or cause harm when you yourselves apparently have no fear of ascribing partners to Allah in worship for which worship he has sent down no authority meaning evidence or proof to you he has power over all things Which of the two parties meaning we or you is more entitled to your say if you have any knowledge of the one with the greater right we are so follow that Allah continues الذين آمنوا ولم يلبسوا إيمانهم بظلم أولئك لهم الأمن وهم مهتدون those who believe and do not mix their belief with any wrongdoing meaning shirk as explained in the hadith in the two sahih collections they are the ones who are safe from the punishment it is they who are guided in verse 82 the hadith is referring to the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu al-Bukhari al-Muslim now when this verse was revealed, he says that it had a great impact upon the companions that they became, it became difficult for them to bear. And they said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, which one of us doesn't mix our faith with oppression? Oppression meaning that we do something wrong, that we sin, that we harm. Which one of us is free of that? The Prophet ﷺ said that is not the meaning here. It is not that type of oppression that Allah is referring to. But it is the oppression that Allah mentions in the story of Luqman, Inna shirka la zulmun azim. That indeed shirk is the greatest of oppression. So it means those who mix their faith with shirk and associating others in the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. And it doesn't mean oppression as in sin. This is the argument we gave to Ibrahim and by which we guided him. And which he used against his people when he argued in favor of the oneness of Allah by setting up the star and the rest of it. We raise the rank in knowledge and wisdom of anyone we will. Your Lord is all wise in what He does, all knowing of His creation. We gave Him Ishaq and Ya'qub, each of whom we guided. And before him, meaning Ibrahim, we had guided Nuh. And among his, meaning Nuh's descendants, were Dawood and Sulaiman, and Ayyub, Yusuf, Musa, and Harun. That is how we recompense good doers. Allah in these verses now is speaking about it is not just Ibrahim السلام, that worshipped Allah but all of these prophets that would come after him and indeed the ones who came before him that had the same religion and the same belief as the Prophet told us وسلم, they are, the prophets are all paternal brothers meaning that they all came with the same message of Tawheed but some of their Sharia's and some of their individual rulings may have changed but the basis of their religion was the same and Allah in, this, in, this, in these verses because the story is of Ibrahim and his descendants and every prophet that comes after Ibrahim السلام, is from his descendants السلام. but Allah says and Nuh before him and Nuh is the exception because Nuh comes before Ibrahim is not from his descendants so why is Nuh mentioned in the context of Ibrahim السلام? some of the scholars said because Allah in verse 86 will mention Lut and Lut was not from the descendants of Ibrahim 
he was from his he was his nephew and not his descendant. And so in order to include him from the lineage of the prophets, Allah Azza wa mentions Nuh salam because Ibrahim and Lut are all from the descendants of Nuh alayhi salatu wassalam. And Zakaria, son Yahya, Isa, son of Maryam, and Ilyas, son of Harun. All of them were among the righteous. Kullum, without the word. Kullum, min al-salih. Wa Ismail, wal-yasa'a, wa Yunus, wal-luta. And Ismail, al-yasa'a, Yunus, al-nuh. Wa kullam faddalna ala al-alameen. All of them we favored over all beings with prophethood. وَمِنْ آبَائِهِمْ وَذُرِّيَّاتِهِمْ وَإِخْوَانِهِمْ وَجْتَبَيْنَاهُمْ وَهَدَيْنَاهُمْ إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ And some, the positive word some, min, is used to qualify the adjective all in the previous ayah because some of them had no children and some had unbelievers among their children. And some of their forebears, descendants and brothers, we chose them and guided them to a straight path. ذَلِكَ هُدَى اللَّهِ that to which they were guided is Allah's guidance. He guides by it those of his slaves, he wills. If they, meaning theoretically, because they did not, had attributed partners to him, nothing they did would have been of any use. They are the ones to whom we gave the book, used generically to cover all the divine books, judgment meaning wisdom and prophethood. If these people, meaning the people of Mecca, reject it, we have already entrusted it to a people who did not, meaning the Muhajirun and the Ansar. They are the ones Allah has guided. So be guided by their guidance. Read as iqtadih and iqtadi. Because their path is one of tawheed and steadfastness. Say to the people of Mecca, I do not ask you for any wage for it, meaning the Quran. It is simply a reminder and warning to all beings, meaning men, men and jinn. وَمَا قَدَمُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ They, meaning the Jews, do not measure Allah with His true measure. Meaning, this, sorry, this verse, sorry, actually, you finish. Meaning, do not esteem Him as He should be esteemed or recognize Him as He should be recognized. إِذْ قَالُوا مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَى بَشَرٍ مِّن شَيْءٍ When they say to the Prophet ﷺ, when they debated with him about the Qur'an, Allah would not send down anything to a mere human being. قُلْ مَنْ أَنزَلَ الْكِتَابَ الَّذِي جَاءَ بِهِ مُوسَى نُورًا Say to them, who then sent down the book which Musa brought as a light and guidance for the people? تَجَعَلُونَهُ قَرَاطِيسَ تُبْدُونَهَا وَتُخْفُونَ كَثِيرًا You put, read as تَجَعَلُونَهُ and يَجْعَلُونَهُ They put, you put it down on sheets of paper, meaning separate notebooks, to display Read as tubduna and yubduna to display what you want to display of it while concealing. Read as tuhfuna and yahfuna while concealing much of what is in it, like the description of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. 
وعلمتم ما لم تعلموا أنتم ولا آباؤكم You, meaning Jews, were taught things in the Qur'an you did not know of in the Torah. Neither you nor your forefathers, making clear that which was unclear for you and about which you disagreed. Say Allah. This was revealed when they did not say it and there is no other answer. Then leave them engrossed in playing their false games. This verse, verse 91, is one of the reasons why there is a difference of opinion as to whether this surah is Mecca or Madani. As Suyuti rahimahullah ta'ala is saying, we said that the surah is Mecca, but he says in his commentary, they, the Jews. Whereas Imam al-Tabari and others said, no, it's the Quraysh, they, the Quraysh. And so depending on that opinion that he took, they interpret the, the, the verse slightly differently. And, uh, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. But the majority of the scholars, as we said at the beginning, hold that this surah is a Mecca surah. وَهَذَا كِتَابٌ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مُبَارَكٌ مُصَدِّقُ الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ This, meaning Qur'an, is a book which we have sent down and blessed, confirming what many divine books came before it. وَلِتُنْذِرَ أُمَّ الْقُرَى وَمَنْ حَوْلَهَا So that you can warn, read as تُنْذِرَ and also يُنْذِرَ In which case the meaning is it, meaning the Qur'an, can warn the mother of cities, meaning Mecca, and the people, meaning the rest of mankind, around it. وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ وَهُمْ عَلَىٰ صَلَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِظُونَ Those who believe in the next world believe in it and safeguard their prayers out of fear of the punishment there. وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنِ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا Who, meaning no one, could do greater wrong than someone who invents lies against Allah by laying claim to prophethood when he is not a prophet. أَوْ قَالَ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ وَلَمْ يُوحَ إِلَيْهِ شَيْءٍ or who says it has been revealed to me when nothing has been revealed to him. And this was revealed about Musaylimah. Or someone who says, I will send down the same as Allah has sent down. They are the mockers. They said, if we had wished, we could have said the like of this. وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذِ الظَّالِمُونَ فِي غَمَرَاتِ الْمَوْتِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ بَاسِقُوا أَيْدِيهِمْ If you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, could only see these wrongdoers in the throes of death when the angels are stretching out their hands to them with blows and punishment and saying harshly to them أَخْرِجُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Discourage your own selves to us so that we can seize them. الْيَوْمَ تُجْزَوْنَ عَذَابَ الْمُونِ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَقُولُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ غَيْرَ الْحَقِّ وَكُنْتُمْ عَنْ آيَاتِهِ تَسْتَكْبِرُونَ Today you will be repaid with the punishment of humiliation for saying other than the truth about Allah, meaning by their false claim of prophethood and revelation, and being arrogant about his signs by being too proud to believe. Then you would indeed have seen terrible sight. And verse 93 is like the previous one. Those scholars who consider it to be a Madani verse, as you can see, as Imam Ta'ala says, uh, or who says it has been revealed to me when nothing has been revealed to him, and this was revealed about Musaylama. Musaylama is the false prophet that emerged towards the end of the life of the Prophet, وسلم, which is clearly in the Medinan period. And those scholars who say it is a Makki surah say no, that it refers to everyone. Musaylama is just one example. The verse was revealed before Musaylama, but obviously Musaylama is an example of that. Verse 94, when they are resurrected, they will be told, 
ولقد جئتمونا فرادا كما خلقناكم أول مرة You have come to us all alone, without property, family or children, just as we created you at first, naked, barefoot and uncircumcised. وتركتم ما خولناكم وراء ظهوركم Leaving behind you everything we bestowed on you, meaning in this world without your choice. It will be said to them in rebuke. وَمَا نَرَى مَعَكُمْ شُفَعَاءَكُمُ الَّذِينَ زَعَمْتُمْ أَنَّهُمْ فِيكُمْ شُرَكَاءَ We do not see your intercessors, meaning idols accompanying you, those you claimed were partners for you with Allah, and entitled to your worship. لَقَدْ تَقَطَّعَ بَيْنَكُمْ The link between you is severed. Red is بَيْنَكُمْ and بَيْنُكُمْ There is no longer a connection between them. وَضَلَّ عَنْكُمْ مَا كُنْتُمْ تَزْعُمُونَ Those you made such claims for in this world when you claimed that they would intercede for you have forsaken you. إِنَّ اللَّهَ ثَانِقُ الْحَبِّ وَالنَّوَى Allah is the splitter of the seed of plants and kernel of palms. يُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّتِ وَمُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتِ مِنَ الْحَيِّ He brings forth the living from the dead like living mammals and birds from dead sperm and eggs and produces the dead out of the living like sperm and eggs from live animals. ذَٰلِكُمُ اللَّهُ فَأَنَّا تُؤْفَكُونَ That splitter and producer is Allah. So how are you perverted? How can you turn aside from Islam when the proof is established? فَانِقُ الْإِصْبَاحِ وَجَعَلَ اللَّيْلَ سَكَنَا He is the splitter of the sky at dawn, making the light of dawn appear out of the darkness of night, the appointer of the night as a time of stillness, a time when creation rests from toil. وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ حُسْبَانَا and of the sun and moon as a means of reckoning time. As evidenced in Surah Al-Rahman, the sun and moon both run with precision. That which is mentioned is what the Almighty in His kingdom, the all-knowing of His creation, has ordained. It is He who has appointed the stars for you, so you might be guided by them on your journeys in the darkness of the land and sea. We have made the signs which indicate our power clear and plain for people who know and reflect. It is he who first created and produced you from a single self, meaning Adam, then in a resting place, where it is mustaqal and mustaqir in the womb and a, rest and, and a repository in the loins. We have made the signs plain for people who understand what is said to them. It is he who sends down water from the sky from which we a change from third person singular to the first person plural, bring forth growth of every kind. And from that, meaning the plants, we bring forth green shoots, and from them, meaning the shoots, we bring forth close-packed seeds piled on top of one another, as in ears of wheat and similar plants. And from the spades, the new growth of the date palm. Date clusters hanging down near to one another and from water we produce gardens of grapes and olives. 
والزيتون والرمان مشتبها وغير متشابه and olives and pomegranates both similar in terms of leaves and dissimilar in terms of fruits look you are you who are addressed at their fruits whereas thamar and thumar as they bear fruit and ripen and reflect there are signs in that of the power of Allah to regenerate and other things for people who believe believers are singled out or mentioned because they are the ones who benefit by these signs in faith as opposed to the unbelievers who do not yet they make the jinn co-partners with Allah since they obey them by worshipping idols when he created them so how can they be his partners? And they attribute sons and daughters to him without knowledge. Whereas kharaqu and kharaqu. When they say that Uzay and Isa are the sons and that the angels are the daughters of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala anna yasifun. Glory be to him. He is far beyond what they describe him as having a child. Badi'u samawati wal he is the originator of the heavens and the earth without having any prior example. How could he have a son when he has no wife? He created everything and he has knowledge of everything. That is Allah, your Lord. There is no God but him. The creator of everything. So worship him and affirm his unity. He is responsible for everything, meaning the protector of everything. Eyesight cannot perceive him, meaning eyes are unable to see Allah and the vision of him is confined to the believers in the next world. The hadith about this is in the two Sahih collection. It says, you will see your Lord as you see the moon on the night of the full moon. It is said that what is meant is that they cannot encompass him. That he perceives eyesight. He sees them and they do not see him. It is not permitted for other than him to perceive sight or to perceive, or to perceive him or for him to be perceived by knowledge either. He is the all-penetrating, meaning kind to his friends, the all-aware of them. Verse number 103 is today's question. Allah says, لا تدركه الأبصار Eyesight cannot see him or perceive him. And then the author Taala mentions the famous hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim that indeed you will see your Lord on the Day of Judgment just as you see the full moon on a clear night. And the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal in Surah Al-Qiyamah On that day, faces will be bright and illuminated. They will be looking towards their Lord. And the verse Those who do good will be given goodness, meaning paradise, and more than it, meaning seeing Allah Azza wa Jal. So here Allah says that you cannot perceive Him. But then we have other verses of the Quran that say that we will see Him. How do we understand the two? قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بَصَائِرُ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Say to them, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, clear insights, meaning proofs, have come to you from your Lord. فَمَنْ أَبْصَرَ فَلِنَفْسِهِ 
Whoever sees them clearly and believes does so to his own benefit when he sees, because he will have the reward of his seeing. Whoever is blind to them and so misguided, it, meaning the evil effect of the misguidance, is to his own detriment. I am not here as your keeper, meaning I do not watch over your actions, I am a warner. وَكَذَلِكَ نُصَرِّفُ الْآيَاتِ وَلِيَقُولُوا دَرَسْتَ وَلِنُبَيِّنَهُ لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ That, meaning the clarification which was mentioned, is how we bury the signs and make them clear so that they can reflect. So that they, meaning the unbelievers, say at the end of the affair, you have been studying. Whereas دَرَسْتَ, which implies discussing with this, discussing this with the people of the book, or دَرَسْتَ, which implies consulting past books and extracting this from them. And so we can make it clear to people who know. Follow what has been revealed to you from your Lord, meaning the Quran. There is no God but Him. And turn away from the idolaters. If Allah had willed, they would not have attributed partners to him. We did not appoint you over them as their keeper to watch over them and repay them for their actions. And you are not set over them as their guardian so as to compel them to believe. This was revealed before the command to fight. وَلَا تَسُبُّوا الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّوا اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ Do not curse those they call, call upon besides Allah, meaning their idols, in case that makes them curse Allah in animosity through transgression and injustice without knowledge, meaning out of ignorance of Allah. كَذَلِكَ زَيَّنَّا لِكُلِّ أُمَّةٍ عَمَلَهُمْ Thus, by making what those people were doing seem good to them, do we make the actions of every nation, both good and evil, appear to be good to them, and so they do them. Then they will return to their Lord in the next world, and He will inform them about what they did, and will repay them. Verse 108 is one of the evidences for one of the great principles of this religion, and that is weighing the harms and benefits. And Allah Azza wa this verse says, Do not curse those that they call upon besides Allah, because in return that makes them curse Allah Azza wa And by understanding this principle, you understand a great deal of the laws of Islam. That when a greater harm ensues from an action, the Sharia makes it haram. So the reason why we do not curse others, and we do not curse uh, other people's religions and their gods in that way, and that's different to having a discussion and a, and, a, and a debate on it, is because it will often lead to them uh, cursing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the hadith, the Prophet wasallam said, from the worst of people, is the one who curses his own parents. They said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, how does a person, why would a person curse their own parents? How do they curse their own parents? He said, because they curse the parents of someone else, and that person then curses their parents in return. And that is therefore a principle of the sharia. And to weigh up those pros and cons, those benefits and harms, is something which the Sharia places great emphasis on. They, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, have sworn by Allah with their most earnest oaths that if a sign which they have asked for comes to them, they will believe in it. 
قُلْ إِنَّمَا الْآيَاتُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Say to them, the signs are in Allah's hands alone. He sends them down as he wishes. I am merely a warner. وَمَا يُشْعِرُكُمْ أَنَّهَا إِذَا جَاءَتْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ What will make you realize, even though you will not, that even when a sign does come, they still will not believe. Read as يُؤْمِنُونَ and also تُؤْمِنُونَ You will not believe. Address to the unbelievers. Since that is part of my prior knowledge. وَنُقَلِّبُ أَفْئِدَتَهُمْ وَأَبْصَارَهُمْ كَمَا لَمْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِهِ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةٍ We will overturn their hearts, preventing them from perceiving the truth, so that they do not understand it, and sight, so that they do not see it and do not believe, just as when they did not believe in that first. Referring to the signs which were sent down, وَنَذَرُهُمْ فِي طُغْيَانِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ And we will abandon them, and leave them to wander blindly in their overweening insolence, bewildered in confusion and misguidance. وَلَوْ أَنَّنَا نَزَّلْنَا إِلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةَ وَكَلَّمَهُمُ الْمَوْتَى وَحَشَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ قُبُلًا Even if we sent down angels to them, and the dead spoke to them in the way that they were asking for, and we gathered together everything in front of them right before their eyes, read as قُبُلًا meaning wave after wave, and قِبَلًا meaning directly visible in front of them to make them testify to your truthfulness, مَا كَانُوا لِيُؤْمِنُوا إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ They still will not believe because their unbelief is preordained in the knowledge of Allah unless Allah willed that they believe in which case they would believe وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ يَجْهَلُونَ The truth is that most of them are ignorant of that وَكَذَانِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ عَدُوًا شَيَاطِينَ الْإِنسِ وَالْجِنِّ Thus in the same way that we have made these people your enemies, we have appointed as enemies to every prophet, shaytans from both mankind and from the jinn. Who whisper and inspire each other with delusion by means of specious words in order to beguile them. If your Lord had willed, they would not have done it, meaning the whispering. فَذَرْهُمْ وَمَا يَفْتَهُونَ So abandon them, meaning the unbelievers, and all they fabricate in terms of unbelief and other things which are made to seem attractive to them. This was before the command to fight. Verse 112 is a clear proof. As Allah Azza wa says, شَيَاطِينَ الْإِنْسِ وَالْجِنِ That there are devils from humans as there are from the jinn. Because from the jinn there are believers and righteous people. As Allah Azza wa will mention in Surah Al-Jinn in detail, there are Muslims and believers and people uh, and, and jinn rather that believe in Allah and worship Him alone. And just as there are righteous and unrighteous jinn, there are righteous and unrighteous humans. And the unrighteous amongst both of them are devils. They are from the armies of shaitan. And that's why Allah says that we sent every prophet that came had enemies from those devils of humans and the jinn. وَلِتَصْغَى إِلَيْهِ أَفْئِدَةُ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ وَلِيَرْضَوْهُ وَلِيَقْتَرِفُوا مَا هُمْ مُقْتَرِفُونَ So that the hearts of those who do not believe in the next world incline towards them, meaning in delusion, and are pleased with them and perpetrate whatever wrong actions they perpetrate for which they will be punished. Verse 114 The following was revealed when the non-Muslims asked the Prophet ﷺ to give a judgment between him and them. أَفَغَيْرَ اللَّهِ أَبْتَغِي حَكَمًا وَهُوَ الَّذِي أَنزَلَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكِتَابَ مُفَصَّلًا Say, am I to desire and look for other than Allah as a judge between me and you? 
when it is he who has set down the book, meaning the Qur'an, to you making everything plain, distinguishing the true from the false. وَالَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهُ مُنَزَّلٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكَ بِالْحَقِّ Those we have given the book, meaning the Torah, such as Abdullah ibn Salam and his companions, know it has been sent down, read as Munazil and Munzil, from your Lord with Munazil and Munzil. Munazil and Munzil. Read as Munazil and Munzil. They know it has been sent down from your Lord with truth. فَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُمْتَرِينَ So on no account be among the doubters, meaning those who doubt the book. The purpose of this is to affirm to those who deny it that the Qur'an is true. In verse 114, the author ta'ala, as we can see often mentions causes of revelation at the beginning of verses. And I don't always comment on them because some of them are statements of scholars of the past where the companions or tabi'een and some of them are mentioned in other narrations. Where those causes of revelation are authentic, I will point them out and I will say, and that is collected in such and such a collection and so on. And where it is not, we will just leave it without commenting, as the author Taala has done. And as we can also see, the translators in the Qira'at sometimes make mistakes in the transliteration. Because we read the verses, مُنَزَّلٌ and then in their transliteration, they wrote مُنَزِّل and that's a miss or a mistake in their transliteration. And so we're pointing that out because it's important to correct that in the English so that we don't make mistakes in the recitation of the Qur'an. Munazzalun and Munzal. And we've already had a few other examples that have preceded. The words of your Lord are perfect, meaning His judgments and admonitions in truthfulness and justice. No one can change His words by making them different or decreasing them. He is the all-hearing of what is said, the all-knowing of what is done. وَإِن تُطِعْ أَكْثَرَ مَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ يُضِلُّوكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ If you obeyed most of who's on, the, who's on earth, meaning the unbelievers, they would misguide you from Allah's way, meaning His deen. إِن They follow nothing but conjecture when they argue with you about carry-on. And say that what Allah has killed has, a, has as much right to be eaten as what you kill. They are only guessing, and that is tantamount to denial. Your Lord, He knows best who is misguided from His way, and He knows best the guided and will repay each of them. The author, Rahimullah Ta'ala, or rather in these verses of the Qur'an, we are in verse 118 now. The previous 117 verses have been to establish the proofs about Allah Azzawajal's existence and His right to be worshipped alone. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we see, has done that in various ways in rebuking the mushrikeen and establishing His signs and giving us the example of those stories, such as the story of Ibrahim salam and the prophets who would come after him. From this verse onwards, 118, Allah starts to speak about the rulings of the an'am, the livestock, after which this surah is named. And it's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, after establishing that, now started to establish these issues because the livestock was one of the things that the Arabs used to use in terms of shirk, to sacrifice to other than Allah, to uh, dedicate to their idols and their gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the various practices that they had and other things that Allah Azza wa Jal will mention. And so we're moving on to the second phase which will be the latter portion of this surah. Yeah. 
that over which the name of Allah has been mentioned and slaughter it in his name if you believe in his signs. What is the matter with you that you do not eat properly slaughtered animals that over with which the name of Allah has been mentioned when he has made plain to you what he has forbidden to you in the ayah, in the ayah which prohibits carrying in Surah Al-Ma'idah except when you are forced to eat it. In that case it is lawful for you. There is nothing to prevent you from eating what has been mentioned. What is what is what it is unlawful to eat has been made clear to you. وَإِنَّ كَثِيرًا لَيُضِلُّونَ بِأَهْوَائِهِمْ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ Many people misguide but as يُضِلُّونَ and يَضِلُّونَ Others by their whims and desires which themselves have prompted in making carry-on and other things lawful without any knowledge on which they can rely. إِنَّ رَبَّكَ هُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِالْمُعْتَدِينَ Your Lord knows best those who overstep the limits meaning who go beyond the unlawful to the lawful. وَذَرُوا ظَاهِرَ الْإِثْمِ وَبَاطِنَهِ Abandon wrong action outward and inward meaning public and secret. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْسِبُونَ الْإِثْمَ سَيُجْزَوْنَ بِمَا كَانُوا يَقْتَرِفُونَ Those who commit wrong action, said to refer here to fornication and is also said to mean any act of disobedience, will be repaid in the next world for what they perpetrated and earned. وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا مِمَّا لَمْ يُذْكَرِ اسْمُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ Do not eat anything over which the name of Allah has not been mentioned. Meaning, if it has died by itself or is killed in the name of something other than Allah. However, if a Muslim slaughters an animal and fails to say the name of Allah, either deliberately or through forgetfulness, it is lawful. Ibn Abbas said that and the Shafi'i takes the same position. To do so, meaning to eat from it, is sheer degeneracy, meaning fisk, which, which here means stepping outside the bounds of the lawful. وَإِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ لَيُوحُونَ إِلَىٰ أَوْلِيَائِهِمْ لِيُجَادِلُوكُمْ The shaytans whisper and inspire their friends, meaning the unbelievers, to dispute with you about making carry-on lawful. وَإِنْ أَطَعْتُمُوهُمْ إِنَّكُمْ لَمُشْرِكُونَ If you obeyed them regarding it, you would be idolaters. Verse number 121, the author, Imam Siyuti, mentions the ruling concerning mentioning the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the sacrifice. And as we know it is from the etiquette when you sacrifice to mention Allah's name as we sacrifice. And the issue that he's mentioning here or the position of Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala as is also narrated of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma is that they consider the tasmiyah, the naming of Allah and the sacrifice to be recommended. Not an obligation. That's why he says if someone fails to say it either deliberately or through forgetfulness, meaning therefore that it's recommended, they don't have to say it for either reason, then it is lawful. That is the position of Al-Imam Shafi'i. Another scholar said that if you don't mention the name of Allah, whether on purpose or out of forgetfulness, the meat becomes haram. Meaning that it is a condition for the lawfulness and the validity of our meat. Another scholar said it is a condition if you remember, but if you genuinely forget, then it is forgiven. And Allah knows best. أَوَمَنْ كَانَ مَيْتًا فَأَحْيَيْنَاهُ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُ نُورًا يَمْشِي بِهِ فِي النَّاسِ The following was revealed about Abu Jahl and others. Is someone, who was is someone who was dead through unbelief and whom we brought to life through guidance, supplying him with a light by which to walk among people, enabling him to distinguish the truth? 
from other than him, thus making him a believer. The same as someone who is in utter darkness, meaning an unbeliever, unable to emerge from it. That, in the same way that he has made belief attractive to the believers. That, in the same way that he has made belief attractive to the believers, is how what they were doing, meaning the unbelief and acts of disobedience, is made to appear good to the unbelievers. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا فِي كُلِّ قَرْيَةٍ أَكَابِرَ مُجْرِمِيهَا لِيَمْكُرُوا فِيهَا And likewise, by making the great men in Mecca wrongdoers, in every city we set up its greatest wrongdoers to plot in it. وَمَا يَمْكُرُونَ إِلَّا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ They plot against themselves alone, by borrowing others from belief, because its effects come back on them. But they are not aware of it. وَإِذَا جَاءَتْهُمْ آيَةٌ قَالُوا لَنْ نُؤْمِنَ حَتَّى نُؤْتَى مِثْلَ مَا أُوْتِيَ رُسُلُ اللَّهِ When a sign indicating the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ comes to them, meaning the people of Mecca, they say, we will not believe in him until we have been given the same as the messengers of Allah were given, in terms of message and revelation, because we are wealthier and older than him. Allah says, اللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ حَيْثُ يَجْعَلُ رِسَالَتَهُ Allah knows best which place his message, read in the singular and plural, meaning that Allah knows the proper place to put it and does so, and those people are not worthy of it. Debasement in the sight of Allah and a severe punishment will strike those who did wrong for the plus that they devised. This uh, verse 124. And we mentioned this point before that Allah Azzawajal says to the Quraysh who used to reject the prophethood of the Messenger وسلم, because they consider themselves to be more worthy. And Allah says that he has more knowledge, is more knowing of where to place his message. As the Prophet told us وسلم, in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, indeed Allah chose from the children of Ibrahim, Ismail. And from the children or the descendants of Ismail, Kinana. And from the descendants of Kinana, Quraysh. And from the descendants of Quraysh, Banu Hashim. And from Banu Hashim, he chose me. And that shows to you the virtue of the Prophet ﷺ and the nobility of his lineage. When Allah desires to guide someone, he expands his breast to Islam. Meaning by putting light into his heart and making it expand for him. So that he accepts Islam as we find in Hadith. وَمَنْ يُرِدْ أَنْ يُضِلَّهُ يَجْعَلْ صَدْرَهُ ضَيِّقًا حَرَجًا كَأَنَّمَا يَصَّعَدُ فِي السَّمَاءِ When he desires to misguide someone, he makes his breast narrow, read as ضَيِّقًا and ضَيِّقًا, so that he does not accept it, and constricted, read as حَرَج and حَرِج, as if he were climbing up into the sky, read as يَصَّعَدُ and يَصَّعَدُ يَصَّعَدُ and yassa'adu and yassa'adu there's three qira'as when someone like that is obliged to believe it is very difficult for him that is how Allah casts defilement on those who do not believe defilement means punishment or shaytan meaning that he has control of such people the, the hadith that he mentions in 125 that he expands, expands his breast to Islam by pouring light into his heart and making it expand for him so that he accepts Islam, this is a weak narration. It's a weak hadith. 
the narration that he mentions in 125. This, the path which you are on, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is the path of your Lord, straight, without any deviation. We have made the signs plain for people who remember, meaning those who are warned and profit from the warning. They will have the abode of peace, meaning the garden, with their Lord. <coughs> he is their protector because of what they have done. <coughs> On the day, implying, remember the day, he gathers, read us, Yahshuru and Nahshuru, we gather them, meaning creation, all together, and it will be said to them, O company of jinn, you gained many followers among mankind by misleading them. And their friends among mankind who obeyed them will say, Our Lord, we took benefit from each other. Human beings benefit from the jinn when they make the fulfillment of their appetite seem good to them. And the jinn benefit by people obeying them. And now we have reached the term, meaning the day of rising which you determined for us. This is an expression of regret by them. He, meaning Allah, will say to them on the tongue of the angels, The fire is your home. You will be in it timelessly forever, except as Allah wills. Except for the times when they emerge from it to drinking boiling water, which is outside of it. As he says, then their destination will be the blazing fire. Ibn Abbas said that the exception is for those whom Allah knows to have some belief in their hearts. Your Lord is all wise in what He does, all knowing of His creation. This verse 128, the statement of Abdullah ibn Abbas He said that because of this verse, no one should say about any specific person that they're from the people of the fire, from the people of the hell, unless it has been mentioned in the Quran about Pharaoh, for example, or the Prophet mentioned it about Abu Jahl and others. Otherwise, even for the people who are non-Muslims, and especially Muslims, to say that they're from the people of the Jannah or from the people of the fire specifically. We give the general warning that the believer is going to paradise, the disbeliever is going to the fire. But to specify a person and say that they are from one or the other is something which Ibn Abbas is saying that we shouldn't do. Even for the disbelievers, who knows what they had in their heart and what Allah will judge them on. So what we base our ruling upon is what is apparent. That's what he's saying. And that is to give a general ruling. And so if a person dies as a non-Muslim, they're treated as a non-Muslim for all intents and purposes. And a person who dies as a Muslim is treated as a Muslim in washing and shrouding and prayer for all intents and purposes. But in terms of how Allah will judge them in the next life and where their abode will be, that is from the knowledge that Allah Azza wa Jal has and that is something which Allah will judge alone subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَكَذَٰلِكَ نُوَلِّي بَعْضَ الظَّالِمِينَ بَعْضًا بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ In that way, meaning by making rebellious men and jinn support one another, we make the wrongdoers friends of one another because of what? Meaning the acts of disobedience they have done. يَا مَعْشَرَ الْجِنِّ وَالْإِنسِ أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْكُمْ يَقُصُّونَ عَلَيْكُمْ آيَاتِي وَيُنْذِرُونَكُمْ لِقَاءَ يَوْمِكُمْ هَذَا O company of jinn and men, did not messengers come to you from among you, meaning from among the whole of mankind, 
meaning that some of you believed other human beings or messengers of the jinn who have listened to the words of the messengers and conveyed them to their people, relating my signs to you and warning you of the encounter of this day of yours. They will say, we testify against ourselves that it was conveyed to us. The life of this world deluded them, so that they did not believe. وَشَهِدُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا كَافِرِينَ And they testify against themselves that they were unbelievers. And Allah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah has a statement that after this verse, uh, from this verse onwards, he says that whoever wants to see how ignorant the Arabs were and the mushrikeen of Quraysh were, then let him read the following verses. And it's referring to the verses that will come shortly concerning how they used to deal with their livestock and their belief about burying their young daughters alive and so on. Whoever wants to see, he said, the ignorance of Quraysh and the Arabs before Islam, let him read these passages of Surah Al-An'am. That, meaning sending of messengers, was because their Lord would never have destroyed the cities unjustly while their people were unwarned. Did he not send a messenger to them to make things clear to them? All who act have ranks of repayment according to what? Meaning the good and evil they did. Your Lord is not heedless of anything they do. And also you do. Your Lord is the rich beyond need of his creatures or their worship, the possessor of mercy. If he will, he could remove you, meaning people of Mecca, by destroying you and replace you with anything else, meaning other creatures. He willed, just as he produced you from the descendants of another people, whom he removed. But he lets you continue out of mercy to you. What you, pro- what you are promised in terms of the final hour and the punishment will come about and must come about. And you can do nothing to prevent it or escape our punishment. Say to them, my people, do as you are doing, just as I am doing. You will certainly come to know who will have the best home in the end, a praiseworthy outcome in the next world, you or us. The wrongdoers, meaning the unbelievers, will certainly not be successful or happy. They, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, assigned to Allah a share of the crops and livestock he has created, diverting other portions to their guests and the poor, and to their idols which they, gave, which they give to their keepers. Saying, this is for Allah, as they allege. Read, za'm and zu'm. And this is for our idols. If any of the share of the idols fell to Allah, they would take it away. But if any of Allah's share fell to the idols, they would leave it with them, saying that Allah has no need of it, as Allah says. فَلَا يَصِلُ إِلَى اللَّهِ 
وما كان لله فهو يصل إلى شركائهم ساء ما يحكمون The idol's share does not reach Allah whereas Allah's share reaches their idols What an evil judgment they make in this And these are the verses that Abdullah ibn Abbas عنهما, is referring to from the ignorance of the Arabs the way that they would apportion things to Allah and to other than Allah and what goes to other than Allah cannot be touched but what belongs to Allah can be taken away from him which is the most crazy logic that they used to have and this is the way that they had their belief about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's why Ibn Abbas is saying it shows you how ignorant they had become these are people who are honored by Allah by being the custodians of the Kaaba by being the custodians of Zamzam being from the descendants of Ibrahim alayhi salam but when knowledge is taken away from someone then it doesn't matter who they descend from and where they live and what they're custodians of without knowledge and with ignorance people even despite other favors that Allah has given to them will always astray or go astray from Allah's path may Allah azza wa keep us steadfast وكذلك زين لكثير من المشركين قتل أولادهم شركاؤهم ليردوهم وليلبسوا عليهم دينهم In the same way as the other things were made to seem attractive the associates of the jinn have made killing their children by burying their baby daughters alive appear good rather زين and زين when the meaning would be killing their children has been made to seem good has been made to seem good to many of them by their associates to many of their idolaters in order to destroy them and confuse them in their deen. وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ مَا فَعَلُوهُ If Allah had willed, they would not have done it. فَذَرْهُمْ وَمَا يَفْتَرُونَ So abandon them and what they fabricate. And again, this is from their crazy mentality and their belief that they used to kill their young daughters, fearing shame. And this wasn't all of the Arabs, but some of those Arab tribes in Arabia. They would bury them alive, fearing shame if they had daughters, but not sons. But at the same time, they ascribe daughters to Allah and say that the angels are Allah's daughters. And Allah says elsewhere in the Quran, Why have you chosen for yourself sons because you claim they are better and stronger and more honorable? And what you consider to be weaker, you have ascribed to Allah as his daughters. And again, this is from their ignorance. وَقَالُوا هَذِهِ أَنْعَامٌ وَحَرْثٌ حِجْرٌ لَا يَطْعَمُهَا إِلَّا مَنْ نَشَاءُ بِزَعْمِهِمْ they say these animals and crops are sacrosanct. <coughs> no one may eat them except for those servants of the idols and others we will, as they allege, without any evidence. And animals on whose backs it is forbidden to ride, like the sa'iba and the ham, and animals. And animals over which they do not mention Allah's name when they are slaughtered. Mentioning instead the names of their idols and ascribing them falsely to Allah, inventing falsehood against Him. He will repay them for the inventions they have devised. وَقَالُوا مَا فِي بُطُونِ هَذِهِ الْأَنْعَامِ خَالِصَةٌ لِذُكُورِنَا وَمُحَرَّمٌ عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِنَا They say what is in the wombs of these animals is lawful exclusively for our men and forbidden to our wives, referring to the Sa'iba and Bahira. وَإِيَّكُمْ مَيْتَةً فَهُمْ فِيهِ شُرَكَاءٌ But if it is stillborn, read as Maytatan and Maytatun, they are partners in it. He, meaning Allah, will repay them for their false depiction in making things lawful and unlawful. 
إِنَّهُ حَكِيمٌ عَلِيمٌ He is all wise in what he does, all knowing of his creation. In verse 139, what they made halal for themselves and forbidden for their women folk, for their wives. And they said it is what is in the wombs of their mothers. Some of the scholars, as you can see, as Asyuti rahimullah ta'ala says, referring to the Sa'ib and the Bahira, those animals that we mentioned before. And others such as Ibn Abbas said what is in their wombs, meaning the milk that they give. That is what they made haram from these animals. And Allah knows best. قَدْ خَسِرَ الَّذِينَ قَتَلُوا أَوْلَادَهُمْ سَفَهًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمِ Those who kill, that is, قَتَلُوا and قَتَلُوا their children foolishly without knowledge, meaning out of ignorance, by burying their daughters alive. وَحَرَّمُوا مَا رَزَقَهُمُ اللَّهُ افْتِرَاءً عَلَى اللَّهُ And make what Allah has provided for them unlawful, inventing lies against Allah. قَدْ ضَلُّوا وَمَا كَانُوا مُهْتَدِينَ Such people are lost, they are misguided, they are not guided. وَهُوَ الَّذِي أَنْشَأَ جَنَّاتٍ مَعُوشَاتٍ وَغَيْرَ مَعُوشَاتٍ it is he who creates and produces gardens, both cultivated crops which spread out on the surface of the earth like melons and wild, plants which rise on trunks like palm trees. And palm trees and crops of diverse kinds, fruits and seeds of different shapes and tastes. And olives and pomegranates, both similar in respect of leaves and dissimilar in respect of taste. Eat of their fruits when they bear fruit, before they are overripe. And pay their due, meaning their zakat, on the day of, the, of, of their harvest. Read as حصادي or حصادي, a tenth or a twentieth according to the type of irrigation used. And do not be profligate. By giving your whole harvest away so that nothing is left for your family. He does not love the profligate who, ex- who exceed the limits he has laid down for them. Verse 141. In his uh, commentary at the beginning of the verse, he who creates and produces gardens, both cultivated crops, which spread out on the surface of the earth like melons. He in his commentary says, and is watermelon. And not melon. And I'm not a pedant about these things, but I know some people are very particular, especially in Ramadan, about the difference between these things. So that's the wording that he uses. And do not go to excess. That's what it means. Don't waste. Because Allah does not love those who waste. <coughs> and, sorry, and, and the irrigation that is mentioned here, the zakah of crops. And the difference in irrigation is referring to the hadith of Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, and the famous, uh, it is an authentic hadith of the Prophet that the Prophet said if the crops are watered and irrigated naturally by rainwater and so on, then a tenth is given in zakah. And if it is by man-made means, meaning you have to put in more effort and it is more work and labor, then it is a twentieth. And Allah knows best. وَمِنَ الْأَنْعَامِ وَفَرْشَا And also animals for riding and for haulage. Those suited to bearing things, such as large camels. And animals for slaughtering and for wool. Those not fit for haulage, such as small camels and sheep. These are called farsh because their bodies are fine and close to the farsh, meaning the ground. Eat what Allah has provided for you. And do not follow in the footsteps of shaytan. Meaning his way of making certain things lawful and unlawful. 
He is your clear-cut enemy. His hostility towards you is evident. There are eight categories of animals which may be used for haulage and slaughter in pairs, male and female. A pair of sheep and a pair of goats, read as ma'az and ma'az. قُلْ آذَّكَرَيْنِ حَرَّمَ أَمِ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ أَمَّ اشْتَمَلَتْ عَلَيْهِ أَرْحَامُ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ Say, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to those who sometimes make the females unlawful and other times the males, and then ascribe that to Allah, is it the two males of sheep and goats he has made unlawful for you, or the two females, or what the wombs of the, of the two females contain, male or female? نَبِّئُونِي بِعِلْمٍ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Inform me of how that prohibition came about with knowledge, if you speak the truth. Was it on account of the males, so that all males are unlawful, or the females, so that all females and what their wombs contain are unlawful? How was that specified? The question is one which implies rejection. So verse 143, Allah is again ridiculing them. Certain animals they made halal, certain ones they made haram, certain ones they dedicated to their gods and idols, and certain ones they made halal for themselves or their wives. Allah saying, how did you decide and how did you differentiate and on what basis? And a pair of camels and a pair of cattle. قُلْ آذَّكَرَيْنِ حَرَّمَ أَمِ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ أَمَّ اشْتَمَلَتْ عَلَيْهِ أَرْحَامُ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ Say, is it the two males he has made unlawful, or the two females, or what the wombs of the two females contain? أَمْ كُنْتُمْ شُهَدَاءَ إِذْ وَصَّاكُمُ اللَّهُ بِهَذَا Were you then witnesses, meaning present, when Allah gave you this instruction about this prohibition so that you rely on it or are you in fact merely liars who meaning no one could do greater wrong than someone who invents lies against Allah by saying that thus leading people astray without any knowledge Allah does not guide the people of the wrongdoers قُلْ لَا أَجِدُ فِي مَا أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ مُحَرَّمًا عَلَى طَاعِمٍ يَطْعَمُهُ إِلَّا أَنْ يَكُونَ مَيْتَةً أَوْ دَمًا مَسْفُوحًا أَوْ لَحْمَ خِنْزِيرٍ Say, I do not find in what has been revealed to me any food unlawful to be eaten except for carrion, flowing blood, discounting what is in the liver or spleen and pork, فَإِنَّهُ رِجْسٌ أَوْ فِسْقًا أُهِلَّ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ بِهِ for that is unclean, meaning unlawful, or some deviance consecrated to other than Allah, meaning sacrificed in other than the name of Allah. But if anyone is forced to eat it, meaning any of the things which have been mentioned, without desiring to or going to excess in it, your Lord is ever forgiving about what he has eaten, most merciful to him. The other things made clear by the Sunnah, including all wild animals with claws and birds with talons, should be added to the list of what is unlawful. This verse, verse 145, that speaks about the halal and haram, and much of this we've covered in previous verses that are similar. He says, with the exception of liver and spleen, flowing blood, discounting what is in the liver or spleen. And that is the authentic hadith of Abdullah bin Umar, radiallahu anhu, the Prophet made two dead things halal, meaning the halal being sacrificed, that is fish and locusts. And two, bloods that are halal, meaning congealed bloods, and that is liver and spleen. 
And what he mentions at the end, the wild animals with claws and birds with talent, that is from the hadith in Sahih Muslim of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, that Allah forbade the meat of those animals. We made unlawful for the Jews every animal with an undivided hoof, such as camels and ostriches. وَمِنَ الْبَقَنِ وَالْغَنَمِ حَرَّمْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ شُحُومَهُمَا إِلَّا مَا حَمَلَتْ غُهُومَا أَوِ الْحَوَايَا أَوْ مَخْتَلَقَ بِعَمْ And in respect of cattle and sheep, we made their fat unlawful for them, meaning the fat around the kidneys, except what is attached to their backs or entrails or mixed up with bone. ذَلِكَ جَزَيْنَاهُمْ بِبَغْيِهِمْ That prohibition is how we repaid them for their insolence, for their wrongdoing, which was mentioned in Surah An-Nisa. And we certainly speak the truth in our reports and promises. If they call you a liar regarding what you say, say to them, Your Lord possesses boundless mercy by not hastening their punishment, and His kindness is demonstrated by His calling them to believe. That his violent force, meaning punishment, cannot be averted when it comes from the people of the evildoers. Those who attribute partners to Allah will say, If Allah had willed, we would not have ascribed partners to Him. Nor would our fathers, nor would we have made anything unlawful. Our idolatry and making things unlawful is by Allah's will. And that must mean that he is pleased with that. Allah said, Allah said, In the same way that they have denied, the people before them denied, our messengers, until they felt our violent force, meaning punishment. Say, do you have some knowledge you can produce for us? You are following, meaning regarding the claim you have made, nothing but conjecture. You are only guessing and in fact lying. Say, since you have no argument, Allah's is the conclusive and complete argument. If He had willed, He could have guided every one of you. قُلْ هَلُمَّ شُهَدَاءَكُمُ الَّذِينَ يَشْهَدُونَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ حَرَّمَ هَذَا Say, produce your witnesses to testify in respect of what you have made unlawful, that Allah made this unlawful. فَإِن شَهِدُوا فَلَا تَشْهَدَ مَعَهُمْ If they do testify, do not testify with them. وَلَا تَتَّبِعْ أَهْوَاءَ الَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا وَالَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ وَهُمْ and do not follow the whims and desires of people who deny our signs and who do not believe in the next world and make others equal to their Lord, committing shirk by doing so. The following verses now, 151, 152 and 153. Abdullah bin Mas'ud said about these verses, whoever wishes to read the final will of the Prophet or the covenant that he left for us, the Advice that we left for us, then let him read these verses. Say, come, and I will read and recite to you and explain what your Lord has commanded you. 
that you do not attribute any partners to him. That you are good to your parents. That you do not kill your children by burying them alive because of poverty. Do not fear poverty. We will provide for you and them. That you do not approach indecency, mean major wrong actions like fornication, outward or inward, publicly or in secret. That, that you do not kill any person Allah has made in violence except by right. In other words, in retaliation for someone killed or the implementation of the death penalty for apostasy or the stoning of adulterers. That which has been mentioned is what he instructs you to do so that perhaps you will use your intellect and reflect. So this verse 151, you can see why Abdullah bin Mas'ud said this because it contains so many principles and rulings and etiquettes within them. And the point that I just want to comment on is that you do not kill your children by burying them alive. And the word children is used. Not sons or daughters or daughters because that's as we said in the previous verse what the Arabs were famous for. But Allah Azza doesn't specify daughters here. He says children. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala says they would kill their daughters out of fear of humiliation. And they would kill their sons out of fear of poverty. And so some Arabs would kill their sons as well if they feared that they couldn't provide for them. And that's why in the hadith of uh, in the Sahihain the Prophet ﷺ was asked, what is the worst of sins? He said, to associate with Allah, other people, associate partners with Allah, and He is the one who created you. And then the companion asked, and what comes next? And the Prophet ﷺ said, that you kill your child out of fear of poverty. It is from the greatest and worst of sins that the Arabs used to perform. And that's why Allah says, awlad, children, because they used to do it for sons and for daughters. That you do not go near the property of an orphan before he reaches maturity, meaning becomes an adult, except in a good way, which means dealing with it in a proper way to make it grow. That you give full measure and full weight with justice, not cheating or reducing the weight. We charge ourselves beyond what it can bear. So if you err accidentally with regards to weights and measures, and Allah knows that your intention was sound, you will not be punished for it as is stated in hadith. That you are equitable and speak the truth when you speak in a court of justice or elsewhere, even if a near relative is concerned, whether your testimony is for or against him. And that you fulfill Allah's contract. That is what he instructs you to do, so that perhaps you will pay heed. Right as tabakkarun and tadhakkarun. In verse 152, the hadith that is mentioning that Allah forgives people who not be punished for what they do unintentionally is the hadith of the Prophet. Allah has forgiven and pardoned my ummah for genuine mistakes and for their forgetfulness and what they have been compelled to do. This, meaning instruction to use my path, straight, so follow it. 
ولا تتبع السبل فتفرق بكم عن سبيله Do not follow other ways which differ from that or you will become cut off from his way meaning his deen ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ بِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ That is what he instructs you to do so that perhaps you will be God-fearing. And in verse 153 after mentioning all of these general etiquettes Allah gives the general principle to follow the straight path that we've spoken about also a number of times previously. And the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith he drew a line in the ground that was straight and then he drew lines to the right lines to the right and left of it. And he said, the straight path, this is the path of Allah that takes you to him. And these other paths to the right and left are the paths of devils that will take you away from the path of Allah Azza wa Jal. And then he recited this verse. ثُمَّ آتَيْنَا مُوسَ الْكِتَابَ تَمَامًا عَلَى الَّذِي أَحْسَنَ وَتَفْصِيلًا لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ Then we gave Musa the book, <coughs> meaning the Torah, complete in blessing, and perfect for him who does good and implements it, elucidating everything needed in the deen. يؤمنون, and a guidance and a mercy, so that perhaps they, meaning the tribe of Israel, will believe in the encounter with their Lord at the resurrection. And this, meaning the Qur'an, is a book we have sent down and blessed, meaning people of Mecca. So follow it by acting on it, on what it contains, and be God-fearing, fearing unbelief, so that perhaps you will receive mercy. We send it down so you cannot say The book was only sent down to the two groups Meaning the Jews and Christians before us And we were ignorant of their studies Because it is not in our language and could not read it أو تقولوا لو أن أنزل علينا الكتاب لكنا أهدا منهم. Nor can you say if the book had been sent down to us, we would have been better guided than them because we are more intelligent than them. فقد جاءكم بينة من ربكم وهدى ورحمة. For a clear sign has come to you from your Lord and a guidance and mercy for whoever for whoever who follows it. فمن أظلم ممن كذب بآيات الله وصدف عنها. Who, meaning no one could do greater wrong than someone who denies Allah's signs and turns away from it. We will repay those who turn away from our signs with the worst kind of punishment because they turned away. What are they, meaning the deniers, waiting for, but for the angels to come? Rather, ta'ti him and ya'ti him to them to take their souls, or for the command of your Lord, meaning the punishment to come, or for one of your Lord's signs, meaning the signs which indicate the final hour to come. On the day that one of your Lord's signs does come, such as the rising of the sun from the west, as we find in the two Sahih collections. No belief a self professes will be of use to it if it did not believe before or earn good in its belief. By that time, repentance will be of no use, as is stated in the hadith. Say, wait then for one of these things. We too are waiting for that. And the hadith that's been referred to in verse 158 is the hadith in Sahih Muslim of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. 
For the Prophet said that the hour will not be established until the sun rises from the west. And when it rises from the west, all of the people will believe, meaning the people living at that time. But that is the day that faith will not benefit them. And in another narration, the Prophet said that each day that the sun sets, it comes before the throne of Allah and it prostrates in a manner that Allah knows alone. And then Allah seeks permission to continue on its orbit and Allah gives it permission to do so. Until Allah will decide or decree that it is the day of judgment and the sun will come and prostrate before his throne subhanahu wa ta'ala and will seek permission to continue and Allah will command it to return from where it came and that is the day that the sun will rise from the west and Allah knows best. إن الذين فرقوا دينهم وكانوا شيعا لست منهم في شيء. As for those who divide their deen because of their disagreements they have and form into sects, whereas فرقوا and فارقوا 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 فارقوا. Taking some of their deen and leaving some. You have nothing whatsoever to do with them and should not turn to them. إنما أمرهم إلى الله ثم ينبئهم بما كانوا يفعلون. The case will go back to Allah and then he will inform them in the next world about what they did and repay them for it. This was abrogated by the sword verse. مَن جَاءَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ فَلَهُ عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهَا Those who produce a good action, such as saying La ilaha illallah, will receive ten like it in repayment. وَمَن جَاءَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ فَلَا يُجْزَى إِلَّا مِثْلَهَا وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ but those who produce a bad action will only be repaid with, with its equivalent and they will not be wronged by having their reward decreased in any way. In the previous verse, verse 159, Imam Ta'ala seems to have a methodology in his tafsir. There are any verse in which there seems to be, uh, with regards to the disbelievers, any kind of pardoning, forgiving, reconciliation, he says, that they are abrogated by the sword of the verse. Meaning that that doesn't apply once the Muslims became strong and jihad became legislated. And that is the position of some scholars that they consider abrogation to be in these verses. And many other scholars are of the opinion that they are not abrogated. And that is, and Allah knows best, a stronger position. Because to say that something is abrogated in the Qur'an requires a very clear and distinct proof. Because otherwise you open the door to much of the Qur'an becoming abrogated. But the position of those scholars is, when you can reconcile between these verses, you should. And therefore there are times in which a person is pardoning and forgiving and reconciled and has con- contracts with them and peace pacts and so on and other times when they don't have that and in that way you keep all of these verses as muhkam not abrogated but as verses that are there with their rulings and they are as they are meant to be in terms of applying their, those rulings قُلْ إِنَّنِي هَدَانِي رَبِّي إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ دِينًا قِيَمًا مِلَّةَ إِبَرَاهِيمَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Say, my Lord has guided me to a straight path, a correct deen, the religion of Ibrahim, a man of pure natural belief, who is no idolater. قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Say, my prayer and my rights, referring to acts of worship in the Hajj and elsewhere, my living, meaning my life, and my dying, meaning my death, are for Allah alone, the Lord of all the worlds. لا شريك له, who has no partner in that. وبذلك أمرت وأنا أول المؤمن وأنا أول المسلمين. I am commanded to be like that in respect of affirming Tawheed, and I am the first of the Muslims of this community. 
قل أغير الله أبغي ربا وهو رب كل شيء Say, am I to desire other than Allah as Lord and God when He is the Lord and Master of everything? وَلَا تَكْسِبُ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ إِلَّا عَلَيْهَا What each self earns in terms of wrong action is for itself alone. وَلَا تَزِرُ وَازِرَةٌ وِزْرَ أُخْرَى No soul, no soul bearer of any burden can bear that of any other. ثُمَّ إِلَى رَبِّكُمْ مَرْجِعُكُمْ فَيُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ تَخْتَلِفُونَ Then you will return to your Lord and He will inform you regarding the things about which you differed. وَهُوَ الَّذِي جَعَلَكُمْ خَلَائِفَ الْأَرْضِ وَرَفَعَ بَعْضَكُمْ فَوْقَ بَعْضٍ دَرَجَاتٍ لِيَبْنُوَكُمْ فِي مَا آتَاكُمْ It is he who appointed you successes on the earth and raised some of you above others in rank in terms of wealth, position and other things. So he could test you regarding what he has given you to see whether you are disobedient or obedient. إِنَّ رَبَّكَ سَرِيعُ الْعِقَابِ وَإِنَّهُ لَغَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ your Lord is swift in retribution against those who disobey Him and He is ever forgiving to the believers most merciful. Ahsant, barakallahu And with that we come to the end of the tafsir of Surah Al-An'am and the end of today's session. Hada wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa akhru da'wadan alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.